Hello and welcome to episode 161 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode is called Playing with Superpower. Um, if the title doesn't get away, we'll be talking about the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Edition later in the show with impressions of the, uh, the SNES Classic itself, its games. Yes, the official release of Star Fox 2, 21 years after it was first announced or was supposed to come out. Uh, we also have impressions of Switch and Indie, SteamWorld Dig 2, and Binaries along with early hands-on with Square Enix's uh, upcoming Switch games, Belunker Party. And we're talking about the likes of Nintendo World Championship, uh, some other upcoming Switch games, some pretty hefty updates to existing Switch games like Arms and Barman. So there are timestamps at Roundtown.com on the blog posters episode if there's anything you care about in particular. Before we move forward, however, uh, we have some business to attend to. Yeah. So you may recall last episode that uh, Angel and I made a bit of a bet about the Nintendo World Championship. Probably one of the silliest bets Jason's has ever made. No, no. It is a sound, reasonable I think it was bet. one of the most poorly thought out wagers you could have done. Because... I mean, I lost, so obviously I was in the wrong. No, game, yeah, yeah. But... Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was... Here's, it, here's the thinking. It, here's the thinking. I, I could feel the hype in the moment why you would think that Nintendo would have a Smash trailer during the Nintendo World Championship. It just seems like, alright, cool. Do you have the crowd? I don't have that for new Smash Brothers, but for like a split second, I was like, oh man, that is a possibility. But then I remembered, wait a minute, every game they announce is always a game they're going to play during the championship. To, to be and clear, there's always, no way. Wait, wait, to be clear, always is once before in the last 20 years. They've done two championships. And, 2015 and, and now. And the one in the 80s. 90s. 90, they did two in 90. 90 and, and 91. Even, and even the one in the Wizard That's true, Mario still 3. had Mario yeah. 3 and it was playable point is i mean it's a small pool of case studies but the point stands and it still stood yeah so the gist of it is last episode we made a bet that um if i was right and smash Bros. trailer was shown at the Nintendo world championship last week i would make you lick three of those bittersweet just straight up bitter not sweet uh switch cartridges and if i lost i would have to lick three so i lost and I have to look straight. Uh, per request from listeners, we have a camera set up to film this. It will be embedded in the blog post for those that are interested in in it. And I now have three separate Switch games in front of me. The, the OG of Switch cartridge looking, Zelda Breath of the Wild. The delightful Puyo Puyo Tetris. And ARMS. It doesn't get any descriptors, it's just ARMS. So, I gotta look all three back to back. Do favor stop. though, man. Tell us if you can taste any. I will any see if there's any. If I had to guess, Poyo Poyo Tetris will be sweeter. Just most likely. Zelda's gonna be the most bitter because it's it's a tough world, that Breath of the Wild. And Arms is gonna just be. Much like the game stuff's just gonna exist. I mean, I don't remember what the little stickers look like because they're on the other side. Well, I... I could show you and I could show oh. the camera. So, Breath of the Wild is, you know, Breath of the Wild. Poyo Poyo, this is so unnecessary, is Poyo Poyo. And arms is, yeah, it's arms. Yeah. So, here we go, I guess. So I, just, I guess I have to do them back to back to back, huh? Yeah. So, I guess, what, what's the strategy for how you lick a cartridge? I mean, there's no Is it like a postage stamp? Do you just lick the back or do, do you a, the side? Just do a postage stamp. Lick the entire back. I also have water because I'm going to need it. Give it a nice lick. All right. So, back to back, no stopping. I feel like I'm doing like shots of like super strong alcohol except with none of the fun part. Lick uh, those carts. I will. Okay. So, first up is Zelda. 
I don't know. Do I look at you? Do I look at the camera? Look at the camera. All right. So first up, Zelda. Call that, that a look. <laughs> yeah. That was like a tap. No, that was that. It ran down my tongue. Oh god. All right. I need to keep going. Yeah, don't stop. Poyo Poyo Tetris. All right. Wow. Well. I was like three licks. I need to let those dry. By the <coughs> and uh, I need to let those dry. Um, keep that one in your mouth. Last up is arms. I'll just savor it like a lifesaver. Leave it on your tongue. Uh, uh huh. Actually, it's less. You test taste it less if it's on your tongue. You have to like rub it. Oh, rub it then. Whoa. I don't even need water. It's totally cool. That's so much of a Nintendo fan I am. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so we've done that. That's how the. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh. I need. I do need water. There you go, Angel. I did the lick. There you go, Internet. I did the lick. Times three. Do that a normal podcast. That was, like that was I, yeah, dude. They don't. Was it just? Are we just? Am I used to it? Am, am, is this revealing that I'm secretly a cartridge looker? Because like it's not. It's lingering, and it's sort of a weird like sting taste to it. But it's not bad. As I'm like sure, last time, it felt. I'm bad. sure part of it is just that. I mean. Oh God! It, don't it, swallow after. Oh, oh no! <laughs> My whole throat. Oh no. <coughs> I mean, isn't it, isn't it kind of like the whole thing where if you're not sure, if you don't know what to expect, something you eat or taste could taste a lot worse than it actually is, even mm-hmm. if it is something that you like. And because you've already looked at this before, you kind of were already expecting something terrible, so it wasn't a throw because you were expecting something worse, I guess. Yeah, so my mouth just tastes like chemicals, just no. straight up. It's like, I feel like I ate, oh God, it really lingers. I didn't expect it to linger. This is it's going to be a whole two hours. should have. It's not the first time you've done it. But I didn't remember it lingering quite this much. Anyway, thank you for in- indulging that, everyone. I'm sure the people listening are like, great, he's licking things I can't. There's zero visual for that, but that's okay. Um, now, the Nintendo World Championship, believe it or not, there's actually more... Oh, God, this is horrible. There's actually more to it than just me lis- licking these disgusting cartridges. Um, in fact, there's only, there was nearly five hours of stuff to it. Five solid hours of tournament play occurred. And, you know, it was, it was pretty good, I think. Um, to be honest, I'm, I'm a little biased. You're probably biased too, Angel, because the last time they did this in 2015, it was here in L.A. It was at E3 2015. Miyamoto was there. Reggie was there. It's a lot bigger physically. It was in the Microsoft Theater, which seats up to 3,000, versus the ballroom in Manhattan, which seats look like there may be a thousand not as there. much not as much a smaller number and every time i swallow i taste the cartridge and it's horrible but anyway yeah so i think um torment wise it felt better than the one we went to like, torment wise it felt like it was a little more comfortable on its own skin to me at least like there's more the two bracket system with the underground and all that they used really well and for those for those who don't know the nitty-gritty of the underground system in nintendo world championship Essentially, what the championships do is they introduce this system where instead of just slowly eliminating people on a regular bracket and then maybe having a normal loser bracket where they do the same stuff, you have two entirely separate things going on. You have the main bracket, and then you have what Nintendo calls the underground, which is a series of elimination challenges that require players to do more unusual games or strange games, and then... Typically older games. Typically older games, and then whoever survives the underground gets to rejoin for the grand finale, which is the final game with the two normal above ground winners so to speak and i think for me at least as a viewer the, the most fun to be had here was the uh for watching the underground like for the main stages I, I don't know if you felt the same way angel but for the main stages for me like i was of course expecting some zelda breath of the wild i was of course expecting like some sort of you know mine, mine cart racing in donkey kong makes sense uh mario odyssey appearance makes sense 
Actually, Mario Odyssey makes the most sense because that mirrored what they did in 2015 where they ended the tournament with Mario Maker before it came out and now they're ending it with Mario Odyssey before it comes out. So, nice little parallel. But, uh, but yeah, it was just... I, I really enjoyed how wacky and weird some of the underground was. I mean, you had Balloon Fight, which was another 2015 throwback. Uh, but then the next one was Obscure WarioWare minigame turned DSiWare game, Bird and Beans. Which I actually played a lot of. Which is a fun game. Now... Just for the record, really fun the game. paper the paper plane chase minigame in WarioWare is better than Bird and Beans, hands down. And anyone that disagrees is welcome to turn off the podcast right now. I disagree. I guess you could just... Do, do we just stop the podcast if I because say turn it off? <laughs> I don't know. Why? why? What? Well, I mean, I don't know. I felt like once I figured out the me- like just how the mechanics of the turning worked, I felt like it was just way too easy. And then I was just like... I literally killed myself because I couldn't die because it was that easy. Maybe it's just because I suck at games? I don't know. Also, I mean, it was fun. It was fun, like, in the beginning. But after a while, it's like, I don't know. I guess you just get better at it the more times you play it. But Bird and Beans, at one point, you just can't keep up with it because it gets nuts. That's true, as we sort of saw in the tournament. Like, people were failing at it pretty fast. But, uh, yeah, but it was cool that it was in there. Like, that's super obscure. I don't even know if you can download that anymore from the DSi shop. According to someone on the comments, it was still available to download for, like, one ninety nine or something on the oh, 3DS. the 3DS. Because DSiWare is being phased out, or RA was phased out, so that, that's yeah. interesting. Um, but yeah, besides um, Bird and Beans, they then did Game Boy Tetris, which is totally random but kind of cool. And after that came perhaps my favorite choice, Mario Party 2. Bumper Balls is officially competitive now, which is great. So yeah, I just my point is I just like the underground. Like uh, this, those four games just seem more like interesting to me as a viewer than Minecarts and Donkey Kong or Zelda's uh, Shield Surfing. I mean, I get. The appeal of those is a competitive thing, but I like the wacky and weird, so I was totally on board with the underground. But it, it caters to both, which is what's nice about it. And if you couple that with the fact that people aren't told ahead of time what game they're playing, it's really an interesting approach to esports, if you could even call it esports. I mean, it's not in the literal sense an esport. I mean, it is, but what would you consider it to be? I don't know. If it, if, this just felt more like a game show, if anything. Like, game shows that typically have like a random element to it, and this definitely did, because even though... Someone could be really good at games. This game or the championship is throws things that you possibly or games you've never even played before. And not only that, like even if you have played those games, like I played Breath of the Wild, never once did I ever do shield surfing, at all. Ever? Ever? Not even down a hill. Not even down a hill. Never bothered. So you prefer bird and beans over paper planes? No, I'm not saying I like. And you don't shield surf. Who are you? What are you? I don't, I don't understand. Know. I just never. Did? I don't know. It wasn't even so much that I didn't know how to. It was just, I just didn't. Didn't really, no, that's pretty much it. So if I had to compete in something like that, it'd be, I'd be at a huge disadvantage versus someone else that probably spent a lot of hours shield surfing because right. other people did spend a lot of time shield surfing. Right. It, it, it's, it's fine that you bring up the like, Elmay a Chance thing because like, thinking about it, Really, that's what so many Nintendo games are kind of all about with their multiplayer. Like, it kind of makes sense that their tournament would be a same. Because, you know, you look at, like, Mario Kart's items, or ARMS items, or Smash Bros. items, or Smash Bros. having tripping and brawl, which everyone hated, or, like, literally anything about Mario Party, or even to some extent stuff like in Pokemon, like status effects and how they hit you. That's a traditional RPG thing, but, like, every competitive multiplayer game that Nintendo has, by default, leaves an element of chance. It's only if you turn off those things... That you get like a real competitive game, quote yeah. unquote. So it's kind of interesting. Except Splatoon, to... can't really think of. Oh yeah, I guess Splatoon's the one exception. So almost. Everything. But that one they've taught it from the very beginning as a 
yeah. hardcore competitive esports game. So yeah, I guess it's more like Nintendo's MO in general for their multiplayer games is to have that element of chance. So it's kind of interesting to see, like your game show point, it's kind of interesting to see that they're now bringing that element of chance yeah. into competitive gaming. And even and even games like Splatoon, I mean, not all of them like probably played Splatoon or are even good at Splatoon. So right. when Splatoon became an option, it's like, well, I guess we'll just see how it goes. And because your teams are randomized, it's like you have no like coordination with this team you just do your best you just do your own thing do what you're supposed to do and yeah yeah i guess may the luck be with you yeah seriously yeah i think i think it's fine because in a, like an official capacity nintendo's only referring to this as like this is the whole thing not just splatoon but everything as like uh competitive gaming so they were called an esport they call it competitive gaming uh, unofficially they were calling it espn wrote this whole article about it and talked to his and people and officially they were calling it a decathlon of gaming which is interesting because if you think about like the world championship is lying somewhere between say your game show idea and like a decathlon of gaming it i think it's somewhere in the middle it's not quite a game show but it's not quite no, yeah, a real I, sport. I agree yeah. I, I think i don't know it's cool in a way um what i like about this is that it really does feel like who is just a really good well-rounded well, well yeah well-rounded gamer. gamer yeah like someone that could pretty much adapt to any game type on the fly and just come out on top because anyone could well yeah, I mean, I guess like if anyone puts enough effort into it, you could be a pro in one particular game. But it's like one of my friends, like back in middle school, once told me because um, I remember we used to play Smash Bros. a lot, mm-hmm. and there was someone said like, "Oh, like I'm really good at Smash Bros." But they only played well with one character. But he was arguing that the best Smash Bros. player, best Smash player, would be someone that could win as any character, no matter what, because then you're the best at Smash Brothers. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just good with Marth, or you're the best at Marth, which is an interesting argument. But yeah. I, I mean, I guess you could kind of. It, it, it does translate well to what Nintendo's doing because, like, no, yeah, I feel like this is like the the best at Smash part. Like, you're kind of yeah. just the best at video games. Yeah, because you you do need to do well at this on like a game show, like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or Wheel of Fortune or whatever. Where there's some skill, you might need to have knowledge or be good at trivia, but like, it's a very low barrier of entry. On this, there is no. definitely a base level you need. Like, the guys when they were playing Mario, this is more like prices, right? You might not. Even then, because I don't you know. have to be really—I mean, someone could have have study up on price ranges, but they still don't yeah. know what's going to be put up. So, but they could still—they could still make better educated guesses than yeah. someone that has no and, idea. And, what and I mean, doing. we we saw that with Mario Odyssey. Um, so the guy that won, Thomas G, he was interviewed by ESPN afterwards, and he was saying he didn't know how the capture mechanic worked for Mario's hat. So when he caught when he captured that Goomba and kind of ran around as the Goomba and then popped back out, he didn't know what to do or what he was doing, and he asked the ref like how do I get out of this and Eric we can't tell you that and that was all on the fly but because he has the base level skill set of how to play in 3D Mario he was then able to basically relay race through the rest of that level get to the boss and beat um, John Numbers at the very end even though he didn't know that one specific thing about the Goomba so, or capturing so yeah to your point there is definitely a base level of skill I think in there I just thought that's kind of an awesome uh, interesting anecdote as well but uh, yeah it, it's and I guess even like you do need some base level for like the two D stuff. They had them go through three different, three different, yeah, uh, two different two D Mario games: Mario Deluxe from Game Boy Color and yeah. Mario Maker. And in both cases, you need to know how to play Mario game, but you obviously don't know what level in Mario Maker the Treehouse made for you. So yeah, there is definitely that discrepancy. I think from a viewer perspective, I think what's nice about the tournament, uh, like the whole surprises of it all, is that it kind of keeps you more engaged. Like Nintendo's shuffling things at such a rapid rate in this tournament is kind of like indirectly catering to that ADD-ness that so many of our generation really by like constantly showing new things constantly changing up what you see what you do etc etc and like there's almost this element of drama at least to me watching it there's like this element of drama just of the reveal of each game like what's next what absurd thing can they throw at them next that 
that's almost in of itself a big part of it, unlike in other esports where it's more honed in. It's just like, what are the players doing within the game? Now it's like, well, what game are they throwing at the player and how they adapt versus just like, you know, my hitbox average ratio of the bounding box and Smash Bros means I can do this, which in and of itself, the fact that people know that and appreciate that and are super invested in Smash, let's say, is awesome. And, you know, that's great. But at the same time, you kind of sort of weed out the like very casual people from watching that because they might be you know if you're if you turn it on on disney xd this was on dxp if you turn it on it's like okay i'll watch a little bit but by keeping it fresh they're constantly being like well now watch this and now watch that well smash is like okay i've seen four i get it it's like i, I think the best analogy i come up with is like if if smash if real esports which again nothing against them it's awesome and obviously they have a huge following but real esports are like the gran turismo to the nintendo World championships mario kart they both have their worlds, and they both make total sense, and there is definitely overlap between them, but they sort of cater to different mindsets and different audiences. Yeah. Yeah, so... So, I mean, it makes sense. Like, Nintendo wants to get as many people as possible, which means making it as rapid-fire as possible, because after all, and it practically goes without saying, the end goal here with the World Championship is Nintendo is advertising. This is a giant marketing opportunity. So to be able to create a competition that caters to the broadest audience and sort of ropes in those more hardcore esport fans that's the way it will do it and it worked i mean i mentioned disney xd right their dxp gaming block aired this live and it was the highest rated esport of 2017 on disney xd that day uh you know dxp dxp yeah so uh perhaps what's most interesting about that is the the majority of those viewers 78 percent or so were under 18 now to be clear we're not talking huge numbers here there were only 240,000 people that tuned in only only a quarter of a million people tuned in but um that's across all demographics. But the point is, you know, these kids watching D- DXP, they probably wouldn't watch this otherwise. Nintendo's throwing game after game after game at them. It's great marketing. It it's, makes sense across board. And they're doing it in such a way that all these kids are, you know, look at YouTube videos. They're all so, like, ADD and, like, jarring and cutting really rapidly to different things. And basically, Nintendo made a tournament that does exactly that, but doesn't feel overwhelming or overbearing, which is kind of cool. So that's my that's kind of my spiel. Um, and you could see maybe that's why I thought Smash for Switch would be teased because like the audience is right there. It's on TV. They're already doing rapid fire things where they're constantly shifting your attention. So to cap it off with Smash, great marketing opportunity. Obviously, I didn't take it as I know because my mouth still tastes like chemicals right now. But and every time I drink water, it gets worse because the water swishes the chemicals around. So I actually have, cannot drink water currently. But but yeah, it um yeah it it would have been cool if they showed it. Yeah. I mean, instead, the only actual, new, actual news we got to, uh, out of the World Championships was the next major update to ARMS, which is ARMS 3.2, as they're calling it. Uh, it'll include a new playable character that looks kind of like a metallic version of Springman. And by kind of, I mean exactly like a metallic version of Springman. And uh, beyond that, there's some, uh, there's some notable features, um, gameplay-wise, somewhat. Pretty disheartening so, to see that, though. That's just metallic. Yeah, maybe yeah. we should talk about that. I Nintendo... Mean, I mean, what happened to creativity? Sure, I mean, yeah, he could be different enough than Springman, but like none of that matters just because of the fact that he's a metal Springman or a robotic Springman, like automatically just dehypes it because they've been so creative with their characters so far. Yeah, I like Lola Pop was really cool, and that was only a month ago. Yeah, like say that to the end. Like you already see the comments. Like there was one that I liked that I said, like, "Oh, what's next? Um, metal pink or pink metal ribbon girl? Oh, pink gold, pink gold ribbon girl, pink gold ribbon girl." <laughs> 
Yeah, well, maybe maybe that should be a red flag. The Mario Kart team is the ARMS team. They're one and the same. And Mario Kart, they started reusing the same characters in different metal shades a while ago. So, of course, ARMS would fall. But, like... Yeah, but they barely have ten characters. I know. Like, no, they have, they have, like, a dozen now. Eleven? They definitely don't have a dozen yet. Fair enough. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just... No, you, you might be right. You might be right. But, I don't know. It seems way too early to start getting alternates. For yeah, me. It, it, no, I agree. It doesn't... Because the thing is, the characters themselves don't actually do... It's all about the arms. I mean, the characters have, like, a double jump, or the characters have, like, you know, the ability to fall faster, or this, that, and next thing, and that affects the fighting, obviously, a good amount. But the whole pitch of arms is use any arm combo you want to make a custom character. So why would you then sort of clone stamp an existing character? I don't know. It just... Yeah, I've had to guess, like, it's going to be... I mean, it is um, Springman, but instead of having his... Like super endurance at the end, where he his arms are auto charged if he's like with a quarter health left, he'll probably just be able to tank arms hits or right? something. Yeah, that would be, something maybe like tank that. arm something hits that takes and advantage of the heft of his yeah metal take arm hits. Maybe he's a little slower and maybe he regains health like Master Mummy shielding or something. Right, but see, but it's just kind of like because I mean that's kind of what most of the characters are doing now at this point. They're just like kind of reorganizing the rearranging the the I abilities. Think, I think inherently arms has limitations. Like, well, there's always so much you can well, do well, the, when, well, the, you, when you're saying the punching is the main draw. Yeah, but that's yeah. the thing, though. That's where that's what I liked about ARMS, that they got creative with the design of the characters, which kind of went... It made it easier for them to create those second abilities because, sure. like, Bark and Bite, they had that second robot dog that right. actually was part of the attacking, that he was a separate entity. It did something interesting. And then you had um, Helix Man, who stretched out because he was gooey. That was, like, his mechanic. No one else can do that because it would look weird if they weren't all stretchy. Yeah. And even Lola Pop, I mean, she went up, she inflated like a balloon, like a, yeah, like a balloon, like clown. Crazy Kong just loves this tune. Someone please get that. Huh? Isn't the balloon line from the DK rap? Floats in the air just like a balloon. This Crazy Kong just loves this tune or something oh, like that. I was, yeah. I was making a, well, now I explained the joke, so I guess everyone got it, but yeah, continue. Sorry. Well, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It's kind of like... Like, if you're going to clone stamp the characters and go with this whole trance off, it's all about the arms, make it all about the arms, and then don't make these characters that do interesting things only to then stop. I know. It's we- weird. It's like they, ha- they like, step yeah. foot, foot in the water, and they're like, it's a little cold, and kind of took their foot yeah, back bring out. Bring out those characters after you have, like, maybe 20. Yeah, yeah. Then and no one... I don't know. Yeah, it just feels just way weird. too early. It's weird. It's like, weird. seriously, we only got two new characters, though. We got, um... Lollipop. Well, uh, I, I mean, I remember. I was trying to remember Max the name. Max Headroom. Oh, Max Brass. Yeah. That's what it is. Not Max yeah, Max Headroom. Brass and Lollipop, and then a, an alternate. Yeah, and now Mecha Man, Mecha Spring. Yeah, Doppel Spring Man. But yeah, yeah. I and, and and you know the fact that I was like so ready to just gloss right over it shows the problem. Like a new character should be exciting, and the fact that I'm like, yeah, they announced a Metal Spring Man yeah. anyway says like our everything new- about yeah. the problem. Yeah. yeah, but but gameplay wise, outside of the Springman thing, the gameplay stuff is kind of interesting. There's some knowable things they're doing. I don't think it's enough. But first up, uh, Nintendo's bringing in what they call the badge stash, which is essentially an achievement system. If you complete certain goals or actions, you earn badges. You can then pin these badges, at least one, it seems, uh, maybe more, to your profile online. And that shows others that look what you've achieved, whatever. Um, and in theory, in theory. This could help boost overall replayability because you're going to want to go back and meet these certain conditions with all the characters. In theory, it could also sort of help make it more competitive because they can basically tr- force you into training all these and learning all these advanced moves to earn the badge if you're a completionist. In theory, that's all there, but it's definitely a very artificial boost to get replayability. Yeah, honestly, that's 
it's very it's like, lame. transparent. <laughs> it, it, it's lame as something that's getting added later because that's that's typically a staple unless they and retroactively and almost apply all, Yeah, it, this is typically a staple in almost all fighting games. Even um, Pokemon Tournament had that where if if you play enough of certain Pokemon, you unlock little titles. They call them titles. Mm-hmm. So like, I think I had one that was called like Deceptive Fighter or something because I like to use Weavile or like Ice Master or something. Yeah, and. Every Capcom fighter ever has always had those. Like, the more you play, the more you level up, you get different titles. Like, if you beat story mode, you get one. If you reach a certain rank, you get one to about tell that you're like, oh, I made it to this rank. That's awesome. Right, right. So, to get them now, it's like... I mean, I thought that would be in there from the beginning, considering how much they were pushing for this game to be a, another Splatoon. Yeah, I also I, I also so, know... Worms is just being treated so weird. I feel like... It's some know. weird middle ground between Mario Kart and Splatoon, and I don't think it's, Nintendo knows what it is. It's funny because it's literally the same situation. Um, Street Fighter Five was kind of in. They started with a tiny uh-huh. little roster. They were doing seasons, and I mean now, like they have like I don't know, I think over twenty characters or something. And they just announced a arcade edition. And I know in the beginning they said they weren't going to do any more like blah blah editions, but they're keeping true to that in the sense that anyone that already bought the game is getting it as a free update. They're Nintendoing. Yeah. Sort of. That's how Nintendo does their DLC. Which is nice. And then they're releasing another disc, so if anyone didn't hit the game, they'll be caught up to everyone that does. Oh, so they're snipper clips plusing, is what they're doing. They're snipper clips plusing. They're snipper clipping. Yeah, so they don't piss off the people that they told. Oh, yeah. That they weren't going to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they're adding and they're adding second supers. They're adding like they're literally changing mechanics. See, those seem like the sort of substantial things. Like they're actually substantial. That's what you would want in arms, because all we're getting. So we have the badges, and then the second thing. This actually, to your point, that like the badges. feel like they should have been there day one i know this one you want day one because i distinctly remember in our impressions you said you are shocked it's not there proper replay mode you got your replay videos so basically they're taking mario kart tv and grafting it into arms uh so how it's gonna work is you'll have a certain number of previous matches in full you'll be able to go in rewind pause them that sort of thing and then the replays will also list the context of the mode you're in the people you're fighting stage selection all that so you kind of learn because you know, like, something that a competitive game kind of needs. Yeah, and, that's what I was about to say. And really, Nintendo, it's about time. I know, what's really more, I don't know, what's mind-boggling to me is the fact that a while ago, I remember in one of their directs or something, they were saying, watch your replays and learn from them. And then but at they the time, there. But at the time, you could only grab replays when you play um, single player or mm-hmm. against a person. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't rank you up. That doesn't get you on the ladder. And mm-hmm. when you're playing against people online, you can't watch a replay so mm-hmm. you can't learn from your mistakes from fighting actual people that are playing competitively and now finally you can it only took however many months it's fine though because like I know, it, it, you could tell nintendo really wants arms to be a competitive fighter i mean all signs suggest that they had the tournament coming up in japan that's like a seriously th- serious thing they have this oh yeah they have evo they have hosting. evo well not just evo they have the separate one too oh, yeah, they have yeah, evo yeah. and then they have the japan i won't call it invitational because i think it's open to the public so non-invitational but pretty uh, much um this just goes back this goes back to my point that i really really regret getting arms when it came out and i should have stuck to my original guns and just getting it like for black friday or why because you think arms um, left a bad taste in your mouth in its original form, because I guarantee you, I have it right here as a cartridge. Arms left a bad taste in my mouth in its original cartridge form. Yeah, figuratively. Yeah, <laughs> and literally. But uh, I don't know why I said that so like aggressively. Like, are, are you trying to tell me it left bad taste? Because you don't know bad taste until you. Put I wish. Um, I mean, this could this would probably backfire on Nintendo, but hmm. um, it would have been nice if like Steam. There's like a if you've played like the game for like less than an hour or something like that. Refund. Yeah, you could get a refund. Because I would totally buy this game again once it's more complete. But now, now, can yeah. I be devil advocate for a sec? 
Yeah. What's wrong with just starting to play it again once it's complete? You actually want to sell it, buy it again? It's the same game. You just aren't touching it for a few Well, months. no, because, like, say November comes along. I sure. still don't feel the game is worth buying. Yeah. But if it were on sale, I probably would buy it. But you already have it with all the updates. No, because, yeah. No, I, I get your point. I get your point. Then oh, I, you want your $20 difference back. Basically, because okay, right now it gotcha. still doesn't feel like a $60 gotcha. game. Maybe next year it will. It, but... No, but I'll, by then all it's going to be is metal characters. All the characters in metal form. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say they are, like... You know what would be, like, the real, like, nail on the coffin? If this metal Springman doesn't even have his own character slot and you have to go over regular Springman and oh, push, like, a, all a the costume? buttons or something? Well, not, no, it's not going to be a costume. It's, like... Like a secret alt. Yeah, like a secret alt that actually changes some mechanics for him. But there's a game that did that. I forgot who that, it was. That's kind of funny. But if it was that, that'd be kind of funny. I, I will say, like, they're trying. Nintendo sure is trying. Like, not just with this stuff, but even little things like, you know, the sparring ring, which is the training level when you do single-player training. You can now play that online. I know. Basically, they made a final destination for ARMS because it's the bare-bones level. It's, like they're really, it's pretty much like Spring Stadium really, except without the bounce pads. Yeah, which is, you know, in arms, that's a huge difference that makes. So they're, they're really trying. And like, it kind of makes and, you... And that should have been there from the beginning, too, because that stage already existed, which was, I don't know. When, what, when I saw the trailer and they were like making such a big deal at the stage, it just made me go, like, why? Like, yeah. Like, the, 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 I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm just conflicted about this whole update. Like, like on the one hand, the push... I mean, better late than ever? Yeah, it's a mix that's, of better late than... It's a, it's, yeah, mix it better late than never, and the fact that like it's appreciated that they're actually pushing to make arms a more well-rounded competitive game. Like feels, they have obviously heard the feedback it still feels and are too addressing slow. it. Like I it mean, the, the updates, the updates feel slow. way too slow. But here, here's the thing: from the time we knew Lola Pop was a thing to the time she came out, it took I like felt, five. Yeah, I felt weeks. like it was like unbearable. It's it like, actually like three weeks, I think, but it felt like months. Still, it was like yeah, are you? Really, the character already like I already like stopped te- like I already stopped caring about that like Lola Pop by the time she came out and then I played her for a little bit and then yeah and they teased three point two like it's mind blowing and it's not <laughs> no offense yeah. but but the thing that bothers me more this is what I'm kind of conflicted about because I appreciate what I guess doing. only the full numbered updates like four point oh five point oh will have new probably characters and this one it's like a sidestep that's why it has a metal spring yeah. man probably know. here here's what I want them to do in four point oh and here's what bums me out about this update. Bring out four new Where characters. Where is the single player experience? It still feels so bare bones. Like, ARMS has this amazing world building going on outside the game. In fact, at New York Comic Con, Dark Horse and Nintendo announced an ARMS graphic novel that will dive into maybe the origin of why there's a Metal Spring Man and all that other stuff and why Helix looks like a bunch of sludge that's neon. And, like, all that. They have, like, you know, and they have the tweets and they have the website stuff and they have all this backstory about the game. Why is absolutely none of it in the game? I don't under like I because they saw Overwatch and they're like, hey, we should try that. Yeah, I, I was about to say I get that another game has done this well, Overwatch, where they you know they just throw the main characters in and just let it be, and then yeah, because they like, sub, they, they like uh, supplemental materials cover all the backstory. Yeah, because I think like because half of those characters are like villains and the other half are good guys, so like canon wise, like the game. It's funny because the game itself, yeah, I guess isn't canon because like they would never be fighting on the same team. Some of those characters, or some of those characters, don't even exist in the same time as right. others and stuff like that. But but here's my issue with but, with yeah. arms specifically. Like Overwatch, there's enough meat on the bone in general. I feel like that they can get away with this. But arms, they have Grand Prix mode where I think it's called Grand Prix. You know, the single player mode yeah. where you go through eight characters and then max brass. You barely learn anything about Why your character. Why don't they just throw some cutscenes in between? Do you realize what a difference that would make? 
Because then you'd be motivated at least to go through with every character. I mean, character. at least like one in the beginning and the end. I mean... Or even, yeah, or even at just the beginning and the end. Yeah, just some I mean, sort of world building of any sort. Like, it's out there. They're making us buy graphic yeah. novels. I'm actually going to buy the graphic novel. I'm re- one, I collect all the Nintendo art books from Dark Horse, so I might as well get the graphic novel. And two, the world is cool. It is a really interesting... Like, all the weird backstory of, like, how these people... Have, like, how the detached arms came to them and, like... What the backs like the DNA know, the, manipulation? There's like a be, a deep sci-fi and war the arcade mode situation is pretty hard on like difficulty four and above. Yeah, that when you beat it and all you get is that little tiny drawing that says thank you. Yeah, it's like it's, why? It's kind of like why? It's like oh, Master Mummy has a wife and kids. That's cool. I want to know more about that. Oh no, okay. Yeah, like they they have all this world building and they just aren't leveraging it. And an update like even a point two update versus the big four point oh update throw some cutscenes in i don't know it just seems so weird to me and i know our uh i mean like, like literally it, like, like it seems so weird to like, me like go just... all in on this overwatch thing give yeah. each one like meet Springman and give them like this whole little bio video like exactly. they did with because overwatch you can o- access those in game right no they're not even like in no. a gallery somewhere no <laughs> really they're not like they literally like i'm gonna pivot right now hey blizzard you need to put your stuff in your game <laughs> but... well because this game is like mini pc and know, people are like oh just Go to, to YouTube, YouTube yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but, see, but they have Switch but, isn't, but so the production value for those videos is like amazing, and they do a ton of world building. And I feel like, I don't know, Nintendo should do that. If I mean, Nintendo has the world building sort of. They're just not putting it anywhere. Like they have so many things. The little Twitter picture, like the last one, I think had Mechanica reading a bunch of books on a tree. She looks like a university student. Well, how about is the she one a university where student? Like tell them. Who knows? <laughs> it, or what about like the the thing where they showed like the evolution of like these attachable arms, like over centuries oh, like, it was like yeah. hieroglyphics it's like well are you gonna it's someone at town just drawing hieroglyphics and they're like sweet tweet it like what yeah. <laughs> where's this the, going the stuff around the game is definitely more interesting than the stuff in the game which it definitely shouldn't be i feel like arms in general or at least even i don't know I it, it, it was definitely the most experiment it was definitely the most nintendo-y experiment thing they could have done and they're yeah and, and the thing is it's, it's still very fun it's just not yeah i mean plus nintendo for trying this like yeah. i i'm not saying this shouldn't exist i'm just saying that it was just wasn't handled the best way i feel like yeah i feel like they could have handled it better and i feel like the reason we keep going in on arms like this because we want multiple to be episodes good. is we want to be good because the core of arms is good in its heart it's good <laughs> they just need to catch everything else yeah. with it. catch everything else up i mean but perhaps arms like it could even take a page from some other switch games never mind overwatch never not splatoon mind... because splatoon just works with splatoon well no no arms is splatoon right i know now. that's like yeah i think that's one of its problems yeah because it's you know like and even splatoon though they're adding stages and maps and weapons almost weekly and arms is doing it like once every six yeah, weeks yeah at the race splatoon does it it's great and then they have their splatfish in between but i don't know i don't i'm saying splatoon is great even I'm though saying... i haven't touched it in like over a month i didn't even do anything with this splatfest i didn't even Me play the team I would be Team Werewolf if I actually picked because uh, Werewolf Bar Mitzvah from 30 Rock, obviously. But huh, uh, I would have been Team Vampire because no reason. Because Twilight? No, I just... You love Twilight? No. No? You don't love Twilight? No, because um, Cornflake told me to pick Vampire. So maybe he likes Twilight. Cornflake being one of our friends, that's his Switch name. So go friend him, guys. Cornflake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get all these random requests. And they're just gonna, he's like, what is happening? I don't think you could send it by name yet, can't you? No, it's only by That's right. All right, guys, let me bust out his friend code. His friend code is What, what is this, Xbox One or PS4? Oh, crazy. Or literally any other gaming crazy, service ever? Crazy thought. Even Nintendo Network? I know, right? Like, even Nintendo Network did it. But anyway, no, what I was going to say about ARMS is, like, I think... I'm thinking bigger than what Splatoon's doing. I think ARMS should take a cue from, like, Pokémon Tournament or Bomberman. Because Pokémon Tournament DX, they just announced that, you know, the Switch version of Pokémon Tournament 
is getting the ability to do team battles online with friends. Something you should have from the beginning. Yeah, which in theory lets you you know now fight side by side with your friend online instead of just against them. Wait, we what? Don't team battle with friend, you can team up with a friend online. That's not no, it's what I think it is. Team battles online with friends? Oh, wait. No. Yeah. Dude, what are Did you... it say with friends? Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure it just said team battles online. Here, I'll check. Because team battles, from what I understand, is when you pick three Pokemon in one team and you play... I might be online. an idiot. That actually sounds more right. Uh, I'm checking. I'm checking. No, that's important because that is one of the things that I wanted from the beginning because picking three Pokemon against three other Pokemon and then figuring out the mind game like oh what Pokemon's gonna send out you next? know what I think it's that just felt more exciting I think it's that I think it's that <laughs> yeah I don't think there is a team battle a real mode team battle. at all nope I think which would right. be cool that actually sounds really cool it's like double battles they should just call it I, I figured that's what it was because double battles exist in real Pokemon so I just kind of read the words and made up my own story <laughs> and here I am in uh, well point of the yeah, team, team battles online again. is actually a really cool addition that makes me kind of tempted to get the game but not quite yet see it's worded fi- yeah, you. Yeah, I think you. Team battles will be available to play with friends online. Pick three Pokemon with each. With friends and, online, God damn. Wait, no, no, wait. Let me pick each. Pick three Pokemon each and hand to battle to enjoy heated fights with other players. Yeah, I know. It sounds like your team. I know up. that you, that used to be a local only thing. Yeah. So I guess now it's an online thing, but still only with friends. I want but to do that against random people. I just need. I just need to throw this out there. Ugh, so. I just need to throw this out there. Everyone, I was wrong about Smash, but if the bet was about Pokemon's team battles. He'd be licking the cartridges, not me. I oh. just redeemed myself. I was still right. No, you said it was. I said it was still playing, picking three Pokemon and playing. Oh, online. but you're playing with a, yeah, but you're playing with a. Friend. You were talking about like playing with, like you and with your friend on the same team. Is that what I'm still saying? No, I'm still lost. Okay, <laughs> I just oh, okay. no, I know. Okay, basically what that just said yeah. is that before offline you could pick three Pokemon each, you and your friend, yeah. and then play against each other. Pick your three Pokemon against his yeah, three yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. Now you could do that online. That's it? Yeah. You couldn't do that online before. You couldn't do that online before? No. For some reason. Okay. But now... And you still can't do it against random people, which I feel like the most interesting thing about Pokemon Tournament DX. Yeah. So... What could have been the most interesting part? So they're adding that thing that I got wrong. Do you want... Just do like one of those cartridges again. Yeah. You know what? Uh, What what should we do? I got arms. I got... I could bust out a fourth one. I, I, I say you do arms. Because we gave it a good lick in when we were bashing it. Yeah. Am I really doing this again? Yeah. Cheers? I, I don't know what to do with the card. Oh, yeah, that's still bad. Why did I do that? Man, you just like threw the thing. <laughs> it got worse. It's like, I think it builds. <laughs> I think it's like... Um, it stacks? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like spiciness. It just builds. Huh. Mm. That's unfortunate. Anyway. Okay, so I got the team bouncing wrong. But nonetheless, that's a bigger update than anything ARMS doing. That's a whole new way to play. Online, yeah. I mean, with friends, (laughs) with friends, with friends. But but the other thing they're adding is official groups and group matches, which which actually that's a little more interesting. Basically, special battles where they and this one I know is correct. uh, Special battles where they essentially will have a special item to unlock if you participate in this Nintendo hosted or Pokemon Company hosted thing. So incentives to go play online more. Basically, like the closest we're gonna get to a splat fest for Pokemon in a way. So I'm, I'm not saying arms has a way to mirror these things it doesn't there's no one-to-one comparison but what i am saying regardless of how wrong i was about what poke is actually doing the fact is they're doing more substantial stuff that actually has a rather larger gameplay impact in that now you can do a whole mode that maybe you didn't have anyone to play with locally online so to some people that's a whole new mode unlocked no i miss those days when um the development cycles were a little longer and people 
and people were forced to complete their games because they couldn't yeah. like, add stuff with a patch. I agree. Because now you're getting like games that I'm like, oh, all right, I guess I have to buy it because I'm a hardcore Nintendo fan. But that that's kind of why like I've kind of pivoted to not trying not to get every game at launch anymore, which I haven't, and mm-hmm. I'm happy about myself for that. Otherwise, I'd be disappointed like these things. Mm. I mean, even though I still got arms, but <laughs> oh, I blanked out what else. You're say. saying about like waiting because games are not ready at launch. Yeah, I the, um, I'll come back to me in a sec. Just, well, I I'll pick up the mantle here because I completely agree with you. I think we've hit this weird. Oh. And yet, well, <laughs> sorry, yeah, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I know, like, I mean, because we're we're in this era right now, like Splatoon one did it right, and yet we still got things like Mario Tennis. I'm bringing it back from last episode, Mario Tennis on the Wii U. I don't know how that was just. I mean, you should bring it back. We should bring it back every episode. We should have a constant could, yeah, reminder at the end of I every love episode. Mario Tennis sixty four, Mario Tennis Open, Mario Tennis GameCube, and I never really played the Game Boy one, but I heard really good things about it. But the Wii U one, why? You could have just copy pasted the 3DS one, but you didn't even do that. You like cut features. Copy and pasting all of that content was too much work. I know. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I get what you're saying. I agree. We've hit what I was starting to say. We hit this kind of interesting. I don't know if it's an inflection point or what you want to call it, but it used to be a smartphone game would come out and it'd be pretty bare bones, and then they'd listen to feedback and adjust the game. And basically, the game you have two years later is not all the game you had when you first downloaded it. I know. And it's, Mario it's Run is g- drifting that way now. Yeah. And Pokemon Go has certainly gone that way, and Fire Emblem. Actually, Fire Emblem's probably the most true to itself, but now we're seeing it happen with console games, and we I predicted know. this. I don't think that's a good thing. Like, Smash Brothers was amazing when it came out. It gave you more content than you knew what to do with for single player and multiplayer, and by the yeah. time it ended, you had, like, seven, eight more, or nine more new characters, mm-hmm. and more stages, and the stages were creative, and it was awesome. And, I don't know, we just need more stuff like that, and, like, looking ahead a little, like, there's definitely more positive stuff like that to talk about. Yeah, yeah, but I, I was going to say before, yeah, because you're thinking... Yeah, yeah, like Bomberman and yeah. Slime Sand, and yeah, because yeah. some games are doing that correctly. Yeah. You're right, yeah. like Bomberman and Slime Sand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so what Bomberman R is actually doing this kind of cool uh, Super Bomberman R. My apologies to Bomberman for not giving his proper title. Uh, <laughs> that was his father's name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Bomberman's father's name. But um, yeah, they're adding a whole new three-on-three team battle mode called Grand Prix. They're adding a new rule yeah. called Crystal. I don't know what which that I didn't is. know I wanted, but now I'm, now you want it. Yeah, yeah. Now I want it. And, I'm and for it. they're adding new mul- they're adding new uh, crossover characters. Zone of Enders and Rumble Rose will both have characters added in, all for free. They've got Slime Sand, which free is, with an asterisk. You still have to buy them in game, but they cost like in game. Yeah, it, it's there's like, no real money. No, yeah, 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 at all. And, it's not and, like and a how much they cost is pretty negligible. And something I didn't really. Notice in the beginning, because I remember we played with the DLC characters at Comic-Con, but we didn't really get to figure out what they did because it was like in the chaos of Comic-Con and I'm just like trying to play with them. But I got to properly use them last episode and if they're, and if these new characters are anything like the old ones, the old new ones, the Simon Belmont, the guy from... Silent the first Hill, wave of DLC. Pyra- yeah, Pyramid yeah. Head from Silent Hill and it was like a jet from some... 2D. From Flying Game Extreme. From like 1942 or something like that. That's Capcom, but sure. Like they had, they were pretty <laughs> much broken characters. Like Simon Belmont from Castlevania, he could lasso people to his position or he could lasso bombs to his position. So uh-huh. essentially he could never get stuck. He could never yeah. get trapped by bombs. Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. Literally, if you are touching any other character and you press A, you insta-kill them. You just literally just kill them. What? So I never actually tried Pyramid so just, Head. I did Simon. So Back just, when it came out, I never tried Pyramid so Head. Just, Is he really that unbalanced? So just being near him already yeah. causes, or near her, I don't know, just causes it, a lot of pressure. 
to your opponents. Like, I was hmm. playing against my brother and another friend, and they were just, like, afraid of coming near me that they ended up killing themselves because they made mistakes. Yeah. But, I mean, the only drawback is that if you miss or kill someone, you end up walking super slowly. So, it's kind of a drawback, but not really. And the plane dude just zips across the entire stretch of an area. So, you just... If you can go from... Now, you just fly in one straight direction really, really fast until you crash, until you hit a wall. Mm. So it's an awesome way to escape. So I'm curious what the Rumble Roses and Zone, Zone of the, the Enders. Enders characters do. So it's interesting that Rumble Roses of all things was picked. Like Zone of the Enders, that's kind yeah. of stateside. That has two characters. Give us Rumble metal, Rose. Give us Metal Gear or something. Co- yeah, we're, we're Solid Snake, seriously. Yeah. Or even like, oh, wow, I'm an idiot. I was about to say Bomberman, but it's, it's Bomberman. <laughs> even Yugi from Yu-Gi-Oh! would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Or a Yu-Gi-Oh! anything. Or yeah, half a Yu-Gi. I don't know how that would work, but it's a huge franchise for konami konami so they have a lot to work with and i like this direction that barman is going in it's the smash bros of konami yeah but but yeah so so barman's one good dlc the other good dlc is actually um slime sand as we mentioned now three times uh so slime sand this for those who don't remember this was the super meat boy style of sorts platformer like tough as nails quote-unquote platformer you last uh what was it episode 157 or something you gave it pretty high marks like you liked yeah, it yeah it was really fun challenging and this dlc and just different yeah it's it's, it's the different. art style is really cool yeah too. it's like different art style the flow of the game like it broke it up with a like, little exploration sections mm-hmm. that super meat boy didn't have but i mean they're just different games like it it definitely carved its own identity really well and the dlc just based on the trailer it looks like I mean, Dude, they're, it's massive. There's they're, so much. They're talking there. about the like different mechanics, and they do like they have like different bubbles. You can ride vehicles now. Like, Whole new it's, story just, it's just interesting. It's it's cool. Like you're instead of being swallowed by a giant worm, you're now swallowed by a squid. I don't know if they'll have the same. It will be like equal length of the game. Well, it's Probably 25 won't. new levels. 25 new. So it's like, but it's the whole. It's the oh, whole so, package. So it is a. It's like half of that. So it's about like half the size of the current game, which is a lot because the free. game does take a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty nuts. Like, what, What's cool about to me is it's yeah. like, so they basically sort of like, they went, okay, so first you're in a worm, now you're in a squid. So that means everything that came with the worm, it kind of comes with the squid. You got a new hub world. You got new mini games. You got new, uh, obviously new levels for the story. There's online leaderboards across both squid and oh, worm. Oh, yeah. There's like a Doom looking There's a first game. person shooter in there. Like it literally like, looks like what? Doom. <laughs> yeah. Like the same filters and art style that Slamson has so it's kind of hard to see things but it's kind of intentional yeah it's very it looks like an old Game Boy game it's very green yeah, it's like if Doom yeah. was on Game Boy yeah but it's exactly all free exactly. which is crazy and I'm not trying I think the point of all the like D- DLC praising we're doing is it made not a good to, game better yeah it makes a good game better it's not to say like instead the, of ARMS it's like it's going to be a good game eventually yeah and it's not to say the ARMS developers are lazy or anything it's just we're trying to stress I think that we've no, hit this do you think they were rushed do you think oh they were for sure rushed at first like they for think when sure. they, Nintendo think, were they ready very... to show that trailer when they first unveiled the Switch in oh, yeah, yeah. January? No, that was intentional. ARMS was for Nintendo the push to make a big new IP, and you, the way you do that is to do it at or near launch. Remember the Rabbids? They started as a Wii launch game. Like that's how you. That's the easiest way to launch a new IP because people are looking to buy things early on. It's why the indies are doing so well right I mean, now. People are looking the game to buy is things. selling well, right? It's selling well. <laughs> it sold over a million very quickly. I don't know what's done since. Nintendo's financials will be out in a couple weeks. Probably next episode we'll be able to dive into yeah, how speaking it's Speaking of selling good. well, I'm honestly really impressed with how every game that comes out is staying on the top of the charts. And Minecraft is like... Falling two, off. Like, like two rows away from falling off that bestsellers. Yeah. Which I thought it was always going to be at the top. And it kind of was for a while. Like there were a few games that came out after it that... Did, that didn't push it off the number one spot, but now There's like just so many. 
yeah, like Stardew Valley, I'm pretty sure is gonna like be its like biggest competitor right now because it's kind of similar somewhat. Yep. I mean, Golf Story is doing really well. Like, I don't know, it's I crazy. Mean, well, Switch owners are just buying a lot of games. Yeah. Like we've talked in recent episodes about this, but here's some stats for you. I'll just throw them at you. There's more record breaking happening like every week. All right, I'm ready. So Stardew Valley, since you mentioned it, already number one in seven regions within 24 hours. Number one in the eShop. Uh, Golf Story. For the month of September, third best-selling game in North America on the eShop. Golf Story. A game that had, like, basically no gameplay release before it came out. No, no one knew how it really... And golf typically has a stigma of being a boring sport. Yeah. And, like, it was only surpassed by Mario and Rabbids... And it's usually ignored if it doesn't have Mario in it on a Nintendo That's console. true. Yeah, yeah. It, it was only surpassed by Mario and Rabbids and Sonic Mania. Like, that's how high up it got. It was the big against the big dogs. And then, like, Axiom Verge, you know, the uh, Metroidvania-style game that's very well-liked on other platforms... The developers are already saying it's, uh, quote, doing quite well, and it's only been out a couple days. But if you go, like, beyond that, there's this twin-stick shooter on Switch that can't recently called Neurovoider. In one month, its Switch version has sold more than its Steam counterpart did in a full year. Wow. Or how about this game that just came out Thursday, The Flame in the Flood, which is this roguelike kind of survival adventure game. Uh, it, it's only been out, you know, a few days. We're recording on Saturday. It came out Thursday. But in its first 24 hours, it had a stronger debut on Switch that it did on any other platform it ever was released on. And its debut, and it has a ripple effect, because now the publisher, Circle Entertainment, is also reporting that their other upcoming Switch game, it's not out yet, but it's already in the eShop, uh, Bomber Crew, like listed in the eShop is coming soon, it's seen a spike in wishlist ads. Oh. So this is, there's like literally a ripple effect happening. So it's really cool to see, um, you know, to see these developers do what you're saying. And I feel like, We'll see what ARMS does. ARMS is its own beast, of course. But I do feel like stuff like what Slime Sand's doing, where it's adding all this DLC, is going to give it a second wind. And hopefully let it do really well, because it's a really fun game. And it's just kind of... it's kind of, I started making this point before, but it's kind of this weird... We've hit this tipping point where a lot of games, they're being released early, and then they're being built out over time, like a mobile game. And on the one hand, that sucks for the early adopters, but it also gives them almost evergreen stats. So like, even indie games can now go kind of evergreen. Like, Minecraft did on Wii U, not so much here because there's so many other games. Where is but that theory, Better Together update? It's delayed on Switch, but it's everywhere else. So I guess <sighs> it's not better together, is it? But, um, yeah. Know, like, and then Microsoft released that statement not that long ago. Like, oh, we love working with Nintendo. But they do. They're no, not, I know, They I know. had a technical snag. It's, I know. It's, it's not their fault. But want um, it out already. Getting yeah, impatient. No, the the, thing it's the only reason I'm not playing Minecraft right now. The point I was going to make, before you Minecrafted me, uh, the, point, the only thing I was going to say about the, the games becoming more like smartphone games is it, it's interesting in that um, we don't know two years from now what ARMS is going to be anymore. It used to be, to your I'm point, sure it'll before, still be ARMS. No, 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 but in terms of its scale or scope or if it's going to be the next Smash, it's taking a long, slow time to get there. Most likely not, but we really don't know. Cause like, I know, if it waits too long, it cannot be a better game around the time that Smash comes out. Well, well, yeah. But when, when, when Smash comes out, it's like... But what I'm saying is like... arms. What I'm saying It's going to cost them an arm and a leg. But what I'm saying is... Uh, oh, I see what you did there. No, what I'm saying is like, look at some of the early smartphone games on iPhone and how those evolved into major things. Like Angry Birds started really simple and now it's like this whole massive thing. Or like Clash of Clans was simple and started and it evolved. So I wonder if now that games are becoming services, which is something we predicted years ago on Wii U with Splatoon, like, oh yeah, it's going to be the point where games are constantly updated which is what's happening now. They're just being bare bones at the start. Like, I wonder if we're going to hit that point where, like, we're dissing ARMS now. Not really dissing, but we have critiques of ARMS now, but then three years from now, we'll be like, wow, 
Look at how massive this thing yeah, is. Because it's still very much one of those arms. Yeah. So to your question from before about whether Nintendo was rushing it out the door, yes, I think they were because they're playing it as a service more than a game. They just needed to make sure they had a game a month, essentially, and they still do. Yeah. Did do. So so that's ARMS. That's that's all that. Now, along with ARMS, the other big mover and shaker from the uh, World Championships was, of course, Mario Odyssey. Is the big finale. It was... Um, the final two competitors playing it, John Numbers and Thomas G. They had to compete in three previously unseen levels. And I think it goes without saying that um, the Aussie continues to look pretty amazing. It does. Likewise, I think it, everyone's on the same page that this game could be a big deal. But I, I, based on like the Aussie news of late, I think that we may actually be underestimating how big Aussie's going to be because I think it's going to be huge. Like, Nintendo has... This level of confidence. Like we have no idea. Like we have no idea. Like Nintendo has this level of confidence about the game that just makes me think there's this thing's gonna be massive. I mean, obviously there was the theme D three booth this year. There's the World Championship finale, and uh, you know it has now the distinction of being the very first in store demo on a Switch unit. Like they never had demos for Switch until Mario Odyssey, and now all the kiosks at various stores have demos. But there's the whole other like almost higher level of activity going on. That we didn't really see with other flagship Mario's. Mario Maker didn't do it. Mario 3D World didn't do it. But Mario Odyssey is like just going all out. I mean, have you seen that musical ad Nintendo put out? Yes, I did. It for those who haven't on the on the lovely internet listening to us right now, if you, we uh, link to it at uh, ramtown.com on this blog post episode 161, or you could just go to YouTube and type Mario Odyssey, and it's there too. But the simplest way to sum it up is it just feels expensive. I mean, it's like just shy of two minutes long. It features the most finely detailed CG Mario I think I've ever seen running around like these physical sets of a city with real-life backup dancers dressed like new donkers, new donkians, new new donkeys, whatever the people that live in New Donk are called. And I guess new donkers, right? Like if they're New Yorkers, they become – if they're New York, they become New Yorkers. Well, anyway – it's all. It's this two-minute like musical piece of Mario's dancing and jumping around. It's all set to jump up Superstar, the song from um, E3 that we've been hearing since E3 of the Mario the Mario uh, Odyssey theme, and it's just like that's a huge investment right there to make that long of an ad at that much CG, building a whole new Donkey set of sorts and doing all sorts of like rigged like real world meet CG interactions and stuff. It's just it's a really great ad first of all in the kind of like almost cheesy '90s sort of way, but it's just it's just so well done it's actually really funny to see the internet who previously hated musical mario ads with mario sunshine's clean is better than dirty back in like 2002 people hated that oh yeah nintendo pulled it because the negative nintendo pulled the ad after a few days because the feedback was so bad and now fast forward better than dirty and dirty's meaner than clean and now 15 years later uh also we just said that completely deadpan as if it was a normal conversation which is a little troubling it was uh, it was and then i pointed out but also, well, you gotta ruin everything. Uh, that's why I do. But 15 years later, now everyone's praising another musical Mario ad. Kind of funny how things change over time. But yeah, beyond just the ad, Nintendo's really just trying to get Odyssey out there as much as possible in ways that I feel like we haven't seen them do with other Marios of late. Like, it almost feels like a second system launch for Switch to me. But, you know, specifically geared towards Mario. Like, for example, here in the US, games going on tour. Five different cities are all being visited by a cross country traveling. Uh, trailer that's a giant cappy on top of it and with demos inside and then in other countries they're having the demo at like any trade show that makes any amount of sense 
in places that don't have trade shows, like let's say South Africa, Nintendo's hosting special Mario Odyssey demo events you can sign up for and go attend. And to be clear, these aren't Switch demo events. These are specifically Mario Odyssey demo events. It's just like we 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 haven't seen anything on this scale with the Wii U Mario's. I don't even think the Galaxies on Wii, like Mario Galaxy One and Two. I don't think anything, as far as I can recall, they didn't do anything of this caliber for those. So it's yeah. just like they they obviously have a lot of confidence in the product. And then you have reviews starting to trickle out. Uh, notoriously tough reviewer Edge Magazine gave the game a perfect ten out of ten and said there are as many moons, almost as many moons in Mario Odyssey as there were Korok seeds in Breath of the Wild. Which huh. means it's going to be a massive game. And That's then separate, yeah. And then separate from that, there's studies from research firms like Nielsen, the guys that do TV ratings, who are saying that Mario Odyssey, based on their surveys, is one of the most anticipated games this holiday season. So when you put all that together, you could see why maybe this is going to be huge. And to top it all off, you have it coming to a system that in and of itself is very, very popular at the moment. I mean, so much so that according to Taiwanese newspaper Digitimes, who admittedly isn't the most reliable source always, but they're reporting that Switch production is now ramping up to 2 million units per month with an ultimate goal goal of moving 20 million units in 2017, which to be clear is 7 million units more than what we sold in its entire life in just the nine months that the Switch is out. If Digitimes the Wii? is correct. Wii U. Oh, Wii U. Wii U. Okay. Yeah, so... so... There's a lot happening around Mario. It's not just Mario, it's also the Switch, and there's no sign of slowdown. It seems like it's just going to keep ramping up. Like in Japan, Switch was September's best-selling system. In France, Switch has already sold, in just seven months, nearly half of what we use total lifetime sales were in that country. That's five years' worth of sales Switch just matched in seven months. Then if you throw something like Mario Odyssey into the mix, you know, complete with a handy bundle that combines the game and your Switch system if you still need to buy one, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sell like hotcakes. I... Especially if we're a mouth is strong, which I think it will be. And then that doesn't even factor in, now I'm just like rambling here, but that doesn't even factor in, you know, the number, the however many people already own a Switch. Whether it's the 20 million that Digitimes says it will be, whether it's 13 million that Nintendo previously forecasted it will be, either way, that's a lot of people to potentially buy Mario. And if the attach rate of Mario is anywhere near Breath of the Wild or Mario Kart or Splatoon 2, a lot of Switch owners will be getting Mario. Mario's going to be everywhere. You can kind of see why, with all these random things I just threw out here, why Nintendo stock is at a nine-year high. Why Nintendo stock is now better than Sony's. It's value higher than Sony's at the moment. They're having quite the moment, and Mario Odyssey, I think, is going to be the real, like, push. Like, it's going to be... It's not so much the Switch moment as as it is the Mario Odyssey on Switch moment. So, that's why I think it's going to be huge. And and rant. And scene. But, uh, thank you. Thank you. But and, and that's not even including you know that's not even including the fact that other games are going to sell well too. I mean we were talking about indies a little bit ago and how they're selling really well. Uh, obviously that can't last forever. But as more games hit Switch and more people buy Switches, presumably they'll at least sustain some level of sales. I mean even if they don't, like they, we could have a situation where you know the attention and sales are going to be split between more and more games, which means each game will sell less. But if the user base is going up in tandem, that just means the indies will stay afloat just as easily because they'll have more and more people to sell to. So even if it's percentage-wise less per game, in theory, you're still selling a huge number of games. And what's interesting to me is that, at least in the current form of indie games, it doesn't seem to matter if you're a game from another platform, if you're a game that's previously been on the Nintendo platform, just that, oh, hey, now you're on Switch and people seem interested. I mean, take Mutant Muds Collection as an example. So that 
series, Mutant Muds, has very close ties with Nintendo's fan base. It's been a Nintendo franchise basically since it came out on what the 3DS. Yeah, it almost feels like an honorary Nintendo yeah, third-party mascot. Like, like a kind of like Shantae. Yeah. Like a more like a modern Shantae because Shantae dates back. Shantae's almost like Shantae's on a tier of its own. Yeah, yeah. Shantae has more legacy. Yeah. But yeah, like so Mutant Muds has been on Nintendo systems for a while and this new one collection um, it was announced just the other day by Tui and it includes both the deluxe edition of regular Mutant Muds the Super Challenges, like, sort of sequel. They're both going to be in one package. And then they're adding an entirely new third game, a Mute Muds-themed puzzle game, on top of that. Which, isn't that just Bomb Monkey? It seems like it's a riff on Bomb Monkey, which is a 2 separate... Which is his own game. Yeah, yeah, which is back when a 2 was still Renegade Kid. It was their little side puzzle game that came out, I think, 3DS. 3DS yeah, shop. it was 3DS. Yeah. It used both screens, yeah. Right, right. So now they're combining all that into one thing. And based on the current trend with Nindies... That should mean the game's going to do incredibly well, especially since, as you know, it is basically an honorary Nintendo character at this point. So, I mean, it does sound like a pretty solid All you have to do is just not mess up the icon. Right? Seriously. Did you see that one developer? I forgot who is actually letting people pick the icon. They put four options up, and they're doing I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, but it's kind of insane that, like... That we got to that point. point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, I was a forefather in this movement back when Snake Pass first changed theirs in April, but... uh, yeah, even I'm like, what have I done? What have I unleashed? So, okay, it's all me. I'm taking all the blame, guys. But no, um, I was gonna say, Mutant Muds actually sounds pretty cool. Like, Deluxe is 80 levels, Super Challenge is 40 levels. The puzzle game, you know, it's a, it's not just a standard like one puzzle mode. It's like a full game. It's gonna have competitive play, cooperative play, multiple single player. Yeah, modes. I think like Bejeweled kind of deal. Yeah, and and all of these, by the way, the Mutant Mud. Uh, original, the Super Challenge, the puzzle game, all three have online leaderboards now in the Switch version. So the question becomes, as someone who owns Mute Muds, both of us, would you triple dip? Is it triple at this point for you or is it still It is because I do own... On Wii, right? Yeah, and they were cross-buy, so... Yeah. So would you triple dip? I don't know. Not at launch, but I will get it at some point. But I don't know. It's like I want to get it because... Um, Jules Watson is an awesome person, and I do want to like support his games. Right, but I don't know. I I feel like I just kind of have to do what I feel is right. Like I don't want to. Well, yeah, don't force yourself to spend money. You no, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and I and and I still and I typically stay true to that. Like, just look at um Chicken Wiggle. I was interested in that game. I still am interested in that game, but because of the fact that it's on 3DS, I know I'm not going to play it as often as so I just didn't buy it. You know what's unfortunate about and Chicken Wiggle? I know, and, and I know that game sold really, really poorly to the point that Jules Mothin actually thought that it was a glitch and he had to like, recheck it. Like, wow, the he had game. to write a blog post about it. Yeah, and pretty much, like, it was true. I mean, he wrote, like, a questionnaire, and it answered pretty much what he thought. He pretty much asked, how do you guys look at your 3DS? And the options were, I don't play it anymore because I have a Switch. I still play both. I still only play my 3DS or I don't have a Switch. And the majority of the questions were, I don't play it anymore because I have a Switch. Yeah. And even now in his recent tweets, he's been saying that he pretty much, like, loves the Switch more now. It's, like, transitioning over. So, it's, I don't know. Releasing a 3DS. Yeah, releasing a game to the 3DS is, like, sending it out to die, basically. Yeah. death sentence, yeah. Unless you're, like, a major first-part game. Like, Nintendo's pumping out, you know, Metroid and Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon, which, by the way, Pokemon Ultra... Wait, yeah, there's some exceptions. Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon, by the way? Interesting stuff they're doing. There's air dimension in your like planetary dimensional air dimension travel. Yeah, going they're on. doing. There's a surfing mode where you ride a mantine through a tidal wave. It's like a fun little mantine. It mantine. I thought it was mantine. Ma- I'm pretty sure it's mantine. Oh, I you think... might be right because there's a sign on the at the end. Yeah. 
Okay, that's another cartridge. Like no, um, but they're literally busting a Pokemon Platinum. Yes, they let you yeah. go through the twisted dimension or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's just interesting how much they're stacking in there. But my point was like, so those games will do fine because they had the big marketing push. Even stuff like Yokai will probably be okay. Yeah. Or Mario and Luigi. Kind of makes me wonder how that. Out. Uh, but the little guys are screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't Hive Jump still set on Hive releasing their game out. on the it's Wii out. U? It's out. came out a couple oh. weeks ago. On the Wii U. On the Wii U. Well, good luck to them. I mean, there's probably five people. I wish them all There's the probably luck. five people that want because to play that it, game which is great because it supports up to five people, so they only need one <laughs> copy. So. Yeah, because yeah, that game also, like, honestly looked great. I would have gotten it if the Wii U was still... Yeah, uh, it looked really cool. It was yeah. like a multiplayer rapid-fire Metroidvania kind of yeah. thing. But, yeah, it's um, it's... I think... Yeah, I think we're at the tipping, the turning point where it's switch or bust at this point. And in the case of Mutant Muds, so yeah, it sounds like you're not getting it day one. I, it's funny, I, this is the first time I've actually considered rebuying it. Because I have it on 3DS and I really like it on 3DS, but then I never got the Wii U version. I never, I guess I got it from well, yeah, but... well, it's because I, I beat the first one and I also beat the second one. See, I never got Super Challenge either. They're both, like, especially Super Challenge, it may be like half the number of levels, but yeah. they're like three times harder. And right. typically, I played super. And, and typically, longer, like much longer than they were in the first game. Do you remember where so, I played super? Challenge? So, re- so I definitely need a few years. I feel before I really want to replay right. it. Because for me, like I played it when it first came out, and didn't really go back. But do you, do you remember where I tried super challenge and yeah. who I tried it in front of? Yeah, I was there. Would you like to elaborate for the listeners um, at home? We went to the indie mixer around E3, and and Jules was there, and and Jules was there demoing out his game, and I got to play it, and I was like going through the level, and I was like, "Oh, this cool. like, oh wow, you're pretty good." And I'm like, "What? Well, I do like to play these kind of games." And then I come in, and yeah, and then Jason, and I'm it. like, "I'm not pretty good," and I start playing, and um, he was watching me play, and he walked away before I even <laughs> beat the first level. Just give you some sense of how long it took me to beat the first level, and it was a wee bit embarrassing. Yeah, but I mean, it was a super challenge. It is a super yeah. challenge, but yeah. So my my point is like, besides that, I haven't really played Mute Mud since it came out in like 2012 on the 3ds. So I'd I'd be down to triple dip. I mean, for me, it's a it's an HD for the first time, 40 new levels, a whole puzzle game. If the price is right, I'll do it. And I think I think for the most part, that mindset, like, well, if the price is right, there's enough new content, so sure. Or it's not an Nintendo system before, so sure. That mindset, I think, is one that a lot of Switch owners have at the moment. And it's probably why we see all those, like, super successful game launches that we rattled off, like, you know, a little bit ago. So, so who knows? Uh, but Atui isn't the only familiar face that's announcing new games either. There's also WayForward confirming that it's bringing The Mummy, yes, as in the movie, Demastered to Switch uh, on day, day and date with the other console versions on October 24th. Now the thing that the thing I find funny about this game that's called Demastered. <coughs> well, it's a 16-bit like derezzed version of the Mummy. But this is the Mummy movie, the Tom Cruise reboot, the one from June that bombed and caused Universal to slowly but surely start canceling all its dark universe, expanded universe stuff. Like they just put a hold on Bride of Frankenstein because the Mummy performed so badly, and yet Whoa. here we are with a way forward created, developed. Metroidvania game with some gothic overtones mixed with like a running gun soldier guy as the lead character and it looks like way forward pedigree is good it looks cool I mean anyone that's listened to the show for a while knows that we like way forward you in particular angel or big way forward guy Shante as you name dropped before um yeah so I'm keeping on this simply for the fact that it's way forward like it doesn't matter if it's the mummy it could be like I don't know about Barney the dinosaur or something I'll prize to buy if it's way forward like they make good stuff so that's why i'm at least keeping an eye on this and it, it kind of 
I kind I have hope because it reminds me of a different thing that happened. Do you remember Dark Void Zero on DSiWare? No. No. Okay. Well, let me fill you in. So Dark Void Zero. Uh, this wasn't. This was not. To be clear, this was not way forward up to this. But this reminds you so much. So Dark Void was a Capcom game for PS3 and Xbox 360. It did all right. The reviews are eh. But then they contracted out like a mini prequel bite-sized thing for DSiWare called Dark Void Zero. And that game, this little pixel art 2D spin-off side-scroller shooter thing, and that game was really cool. So I'm thinking Mummy Demastered is going to be that sort of situation. The movie's whatever, but you got a really good developer making a really good like bite-sized version. So it's probably going to be really cool. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm keeping an eye on it just for that reason. Um, on the other end of the spectrum entirely is one more game that caught at least my eye. And that is, I don't know about you, that's this game called Crazy Justice. So I should, I should preface this first with a note that unlike most of the games we talk about, this one isn't actually fully funded yet. They're currently, they have a crowdsource, uh, crowdfunding page set up at FIG. It's at 80% of their $30,000 goal. But the reason I bring it up is... that that Overwatch looking game? It's that Battle Royale style game, which is the reason I'm bringing it up. This is like one of the most buzzed about genres outside of Overwatch right now. It does look kind of Overwatchy, yeah. I'm trying to remember it. I mean, I, mean, I could of, be wrong. Yeah, one of the most buzzed about like current online multiplayer things is probably uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. You know, the hundred people mass. Good old PUBG. Yeah, PUBG, all that. And uh, just the other day, actually, this thing's huge. Like just the other day, it cracked two million concurrent players or something like that, which is a huge number for an indie game that kind of came up out of nowhere like this. And you know, it has a knockoff of sorts on PS4 and Xbox called Fortnite, which is not as good but you know it exists so switch the system built as the home of multiplayer gaming is now the odd man out in a genre that's blowing up and is literally the new hot thing which are these battle royale games so it feels logical for a developer like uh, the one behind crazy justice a company called black real studio to kind of come in and fill this void and it seems like with crazy justice they're trying to do you know do everything exactly right like you've got a cover system you've got the building and destroying mechanics you've got the uh the whole um, super really clean have cell shooting like, mechanic though, though not what? so not that a PUBG doesn't really have any. I thought they have like you could take cover and I mean you have cover system, but you can't like well, destroy, it doesn't have destructible environments so if anything this has something above that. Oh okay. Okay. I thought I mean I thought you could like take a car and kind of shove it somewhere. I mean you could be. take a car and shove Yeah, I guess, it I guess this one's a little more fine tuned, yeah. Um but I mean PUBG I mean that game is nuts. It's just think like a grand theft grand theft auto size map. Yeah, like huge, 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 and you have like a hundred players just running around. Last man standing wins, or last right. team standing if you're playing right. with friends, which is pretty much the whole shtick of it. Yeah, it's houses to hide in, stuff to find. I don't know. It looks really fun. So I guess this enhances it with the proper potentially covers, or proper proper. Yeah, I mean, it short. just comes down to the map and interactivity with just like different places yeah. to hide and vehicles. I mean, the Switch version will have motion control because that's what made it. That's what makes PUBG like really stand out, especially playing with friends and the voice chat. That's definitely the make or break it. Well, good luck with that, uh, Black Real Studio, because we all know how voice chat is currently on Switch. But that that's the the thing is like if everything lines up correctly and it works, like this just makes so much sense on the Switch. I mean, having a game like this besides Splatoon Two and besides Morphe's Law once it comes out. Like, you know, you have all these third-person shooters. It's just like it's it, Crazy Justice would fit right in but offer something different because it is a PUBG-style game. But I guess with some enhancements beyond that, 
and it just, I don't know, it just seems it's like... It's more cartoony looking too, right? It is more cartoony. It's cell shaded. It does. It has an Overwatch vibe, but the gameplay is supposedly kind of PUBG-ish. Show. So, I don't know, it just seems like if PUBG's currently and perhaps indefinitely stuck as an Xbox console exclusive, Fortnite's not doing that hot. PUBG's on consoles? Huh. It's on Xbox. Oh. Or it will be on Xbox soon, I don't remember uh, if it's on yeah, I thought it was just like a Steam game. No, it's uh, Microsoft's filling the build again on Xbox. It'll be exclusive. Oh, look at you, Microsoft. First Cuphead and now PUBG. I know, I know. But yeah, it's uh, my point is, like, this is probably the crazy justice if it pans out is probably the next best thing and if switch can get anything any sort of foothold on that that's just you know one more little subgenre can accommodate while you play on the go that'd be pretty cool although this would be online on the go so i guess you need a good unlimited data plan but to tether to but nonetheless like it's kind of a funny pitch i wish we also got that qb looking game that you mentioned a few episodes ago which one that was kind of like um morphe's law but not quite it's like purple and you start off with like a little snail and then you shoot people oh, and you oh I, I, I mentioned it on twitter oh uh not on the show because it's not coming but it's like the same kind of I idea as more about... Thought, the multiplayer shooter where yes it's... you collect cubes to grow bigger and eventually yes. you can be like a giant hulking it's Goliath. by ubisoft it came out on steam a couple weeks ago i'm looking for i'm literally just going through my twitter feed because i know i said it there uh riveting podcasting ladies and gentlemen i'm scrolling through twitter well yeah pretty much i feel one. like we need we definitely need more shooters yeah definitely yeah more shooters. but but yeah and the thing is like even if this isn't the PUBG having something kind of resembling it could still you know yeah, that's mean, another selling point it's for not like switch. we're gonna get a call of duty or are we uh, active they... it not yet not anytime soon i mean they would have announced it by now i mean i don't know if they're just gonna wait on ww2 part two uh point. at this point they're not coming out with it this year now you don't need to find the name of it i you can tell i'm still looking because you're watching me look yeah yeah well fine but yeah that, that ubisoft game is actually pretty cool so it's worth checking out to those listening but uh yeah i was gonna say this is a weird pitch i realized for crazy justice like to be like here's a game that's like this other game so it's cool that's kind of switch for that reason and i also realized this is a game you know like a PUBG style game that's 100 people in a battle and you know for an indie to riff off that requires a big player base to have 100 people in a battle so that's a whole nother obstacle but neither of those take away from the fact that crazy justice just looks fun and really, that's all you need at this stage in games development is for it to catch your eye and to keep an eye on it. So I'll certainly be following Crazy Justice and see how it does because, you know, it really looks like a good fit and it just looks fun, like just straight up fun. It's actually really well polished for an indie game. So we'll see if they hit their fig uh, crowdfunding. Hopefully they do. And speaking of fun things, which may be my laziest transition I've ever done, actually. But speaking of fun things, how about that Super Nintendo Classic? The SNES Classic. All right. Yeah. So the, the funny thing about the, this episode is news was a bit on the light side these past few weeks. So it's a good coincidence because we actually have a lot of games to talk about in this now. We're in the what's we're playing, what we're playing segment. Like, in fact, if you think about it, we have upwards of twenty-one minimum of twenty-one games because of the Super Nintendo Classic. But before we get into any specifics about the Super Nintendo or impressions of Switch titles like Spelunker Party and Steam World Dig Two and Binaries a bit later. Um, I feel like we got to talk about the classic itself because it's kind of interesting to see what Nintendo did and didn't learn from the NES classic a year ago and what they chose to address and what they chose to kind of let fall to the wayside. And obviously, one thing they said time and time again, we talked about forever, is they learned to anticipate demand for this thing a little better than a year ago, which is actually really nice to see. Uh, there are more available than before. 
and they claimed that would be the case. No one believed them, but it looks like they were telling the truth. Obviously, we know how the launch went. If you want to hear our tales of woe, my rant last episode can enlighten you on how that went. But in the time since, doors seem to be receiving regular shipments. And like anecdotally, I've seen pictures and tweets and stuff where people are like, look, there's 20 at my Target right now. It's like, 20? That is unheard of in the NES days. So they're actually doing it, and in large quantities. And that's that's perhaps the truest... Uh, Perhaps the truest sign of the fact that they're picking up the slack here is eBay statistics. Because after all, the scalpers know the market best, right? So, so far, things are calmer than the NSC year ago by a long shot. Uh, eBay reported that on launch day, they sold a Super Nintendo Classic every 25 seconds. Which is absolutely insane, don't get me wrong, but it's not quite as insane as the NES Classic last November selling one every 18 seconds. And more significantly, in the time since... Sales have slowed and prices have come down compared to the NES Classic a year ago. On average, in 2016, the NES Classic went for $240 on eBay. If you want to do the quick math, that is four times the MSRP. Meanwhile, we have this year the Super Nintendo Classic averaging at just $165, which is only double the MSRP. And of course, to be a little facetious with the only, but like, that's no doubt an improvement over a year ago if prices literally were cut or the the price spike is literally half of what it once was like that obviously there's more in the marketplace or people just don't care and i don't think it's the latter because people are freaking out about this thing so i think they're just able to supply it and over the launch weekend like sales have already started dropping price uh significantly so ebay said they're selling 240 an hour at launch to 90 an hour by sunday um so it seems like people are just able to go get it without much trouble which is nice to see so props nintendo you we didn't believe you when reggie's like you'll be fine don't pay a scalper and we're like yeah okay reggie he was right i mean weren't you technically able to obtain three? i have three yeah yeah so i have one that i actually opened which is the gamestop one i have one from walmart that shipped as we talked about last episode and then the amazon one the mystery amazon page i didn't even know if it'd ever be fulfilled arrived earlier this week they're all going out to people at face value i'm not i'm no scalper but uh yeah i managed to get three within two weeks of launch so that if nothing else is a sign that nintendo's doing something right so good job nintendo but the unit itself so nintendo heard the feedback about the nes and they addressed that in terms of stock but in terms of the other critiques about the nes classic they sort of kind of just didn't care i mean they did little things like yes I get some of it that they're limited because, you know, the Super Nintendo Classic actually is running the exact same hardware as the NES Classic inside it. All they do is swap the plastic shell. Like, it's the exact same chipset. Um, that doesn't necessarily excuse the decision to, like, you know, still make the controller cord really short. It's now five feet instead of three feet. It's a whole two more feet, you guys. But, like, for my setup, that's fine. I can actually, if I pull the system, like, off my TV shelf and then grab the controller and go as far as I can, I'm at the ideal length I want it to be, just, like, with only one centimeter to spare, mainly. But the original controller cords for this Nintendo and Super Nintendo were so much longer. Like, so much longer. Like, eight, nine feet. And I don't know why Nintendo didn't copy that, really, because, I mean, I have some hunches, but that's what people were saying a year ago. It's like, make it like the old controller. And they're like, no, 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 we'll just give you two more feet. And maybe that's what you need and no it's not what anyone wants they want the old length they want like in the days of wired controllers you went very far with those wires and now they're not the only possible explanation i can think of for that besides cost cutting which is you know the most logical is that's due possibly to the physical reset button because like with the nes classic a year ago the only way to change games or to set up a suspend state 
for uh, what you're playing is to go physically hit the reset button on the console. And the further you make the cord, the longer you have to make people travel, and presumably people are going to get frustrated if they now have to get up and then walk across half, you know, half a giant room every single time versus, versus like just kind of like lurching huh? forward. And Back in the day, you didn't even have that as an option. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's a total cop-out of a reason, but it, it, come on, that does feel like a Nintendo-y explanation for why they did it, doesn't it? Like, oh, well, we wanted to make the re- reset button more in reach, so we just shrunk the cord. And then you said you wanted it longer, so we found a middle ground between our ideal arm wingspan to the reset button and your need for a longer cord. Without a home button. Yeah. Now that's the thing. That's my biggest pet peeve. Why is it a physical button? Why is there not a home button? Like, don't get me wrong. I, ever since I was a little kid, really like how that reset button on Super Nintendo feels. Like, it's like, it's very gratifying to that, like, that spring-loaded push-up and it shoots back down. And that's, and it's there on the, on the mini one, too. But, I don't have to do that every single time I want to do a suspend state or switch games or more significantly uh, trigger the brand new rewind feature that's new to the Super Nintendo Classic. Like, so if you if you didn't know, anyone listening or you, because you don't actually have one, Angel, the only way to trigger the rewind feature where you can undo something you just did is you have to go to the main menu by hitting reset. Then you have to act on it as if you're making a suspend state. And then one of the buttons along the bottom where it's like suspend is rewind. They press that and then you get the interface that lets you take it back. So it's actually a three-step process just to, in theory, do what should be one button press. That sounds horrible. It definitely undercuts the intention of it because it's supposed to be an easy way to undo what you did. But you have to like do so much. (laughs) It's just, I don't know. It's almost saying like, you know what, if you want a better emulator then just go get an emulator online just press f5 and that's like your safe state that you just it's get just, it's just it feels like a wasted opportunity is what it feels like to me and i get why there's no home button on the system and no easy way to access that suspend state system through the controller because there is kind of aesthetic to this whole thing of like just make identical a single combination of buttons or something so that's the thing that's the thing you know what they've done they do have a combination of buttons if you hit start select lr you can reset your super nintendo classic but it's not a reset to the main menu. It's a soft reset of just the one game you're playing. You're so close, Nintendo. Like, even if Nintendo's like, oh, we don't want to do a reset because, like, you have to, you know, different games do buttons in different ways. You have to hit certain combinations for one game, but that might reset you in another game. It's just like, no, you literally found the secret combo that no one uses, and then you didn't use it correctly. Like, how many... I mean, it's not like they're putting the and, entire Super Nintendo library. It's catered. They can right? easily test these things out. I know. And the thing I don't understand is what what purpose do you have doing an actual reset on – like a soft reset on like Donkey Kong Country? What are you doing in Donkey Kong Country 2 with Diddy and Dixie that you have to go, oh, darn, let me reset it but not rewind it but not make a suspend point but not but junk gains. Let me just go back to the title screen of this very specific game at this very specific moment. I only thing I can think of is if a second player wants to join. And even then – you could just take them to the home menu and just have them booted up that way too. It's such a weird design choice. So those issues aside, though, like these are nitpicks in the grand scheme of things. Like I really, I really do like the Super Nintendo Classic. I mean, it, you know, you got 21 games in this tiny, surprisingly like intricate miniature of the Super Nintendo. It's only 80 bucks. It like back in the proper Virtual Console days, if you wanted these 21 games, I did the math. It would cost you 168 dollars. Now it's only 80 and you get a cool little physical thing that goes with it. It's a really good deal. And, like, I'll put up with my nitpick for that discount. Plus, you you know, you have the collectibleness of the fact that you have a physical mini Super Nintendo. Yeah, seeing it in person definitely almost makes me want it, but then... Yeah, 
but not quite. And, and what's really cool, like for me, I guess not enough for you to buy it, but I like that every little design flourish of the Super Nintendo is here. It's represented. It's just shrunk down, like right down to the controller ports. They still have the, the old school controller ports. They're just a flap. That's actually kind of hard to open, but a flap that just sort of pops down and you plug in the new controllers. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you can nitpick which games should be in there, which games shouldn't be in there. All the Star Fox ones. Well, we'll get to that. But I, I do think Nintendo did a nice job balancing at least the variety of games, a variety of genres. Like, there's a lot of staples for a system that are here, and then there's some lesser ones. It's also it's also just nice to see games that have some real heft to them this time around. Like the NES Classic, those games are short, obviously. But some of the games in here, like Mario RPG or Final Fantasy III or even Secret Mana, they're just... That's hours upon hours upon hours of gameplay you're getting. And even the more basic games, like F-Zero or Super Punch-Out or Contra 3 or that sort of thing, even those have a lot more content than what their old NES predecessors did. So for a company that we often accuse of being cost-cutting and stingy, the Super Nintendo is actually quite an amazing deal overall. Like you get a lot for a little, you get a physical thing. It's a and, and it even comes with a free poster. You get a free poster. So like it's worth it's worth it. Now now you're saying, Angel, that you played it at friends. What what games were you guys even playing? What did you guys gravitate towards? On no, we we played it here. Oh well whatever. You played it with a friend. What uh what did you gravitate towards? I'm just curious. Mini Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Oh, and see, I that would not be my first guess. Because We've played it, and it's funny because it's the same friends that we already beat Super and Ghouls and Ghosts on the Wii Virtual Console. Mm. Or we made it really far. I eventually beat it on my own. Mm-hmm. But then we played it for all time's sake, even though that's not that long ago. Because I did play this game on the Super Nintendo when it first came out, and mm-hmm. that was really cool. Just really love Super Ghouls and Ghosts. We love those. That group I played with really loved those really hard 2D platformers. Which you but, still still holds true for you now with Meat Boy and Slime Sand. And, yeah. And so, when we talk about binaries later, that kind of and, falls And it was cool, bucket. just like, I mean, the slowdowns in the same place. Everything. Oh, yeah, it's, it's pixel perfect in all the good and bad ways. Yeah. I mean, for this game, it does kind of help because... Oh, it gets insane, yeah. yeah. I was never good at Super And it also just kind of, I don't know, it kind of makes for a exciting, like, dodge moment when you're dodging projectiles into slow motion. It's almost like a... Like, when you're watching a movie and they do, like, a slow-mo dodge, like, Matrix-style, it almost kind of feels like that. Except unintentional and just due to hardware limitations. Yeah. That's funny, though. But uh, did you guys play anything else, or was it just Ghouls and Ghosts? Um, we played a few other things, but we mainly just played Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, because, like, I'm sort of insane, but, like, so there are 21 games on this thing, right? I probably haven't played, like, a dozen of them. But much like you sort of gravitate toward Ghouls and Ghosts, because that's, you know, the nostalgia and everything... I'm really actually quite excited to make my way through Super Mario World again. Like, it's my all-time favorite game. I haven't played it with a Super Nintendo controller in so long, so to go back and do that sounds really fun, even though, you know, there's a ton of games I want to try for the first time and actually, like, see if I like, you know, all these legendary, like, things like Secret of Mana. I'm really curious about it. People always hype it up, but I just, at the same time, just want to go play the game I know. So, it's funny, when I first, when I first got my classic, I actually didn't even um, do Mario World. I went straight to Star Fox. And it's interesting to kind of compare and contrast Star Fox 1 with the new Star Fox 2 with my own entry point in the series, which was Star Fox 64. And I only played a bit of Star Fox 1 uh, before switching over to Star Fox 2. But one thing that stuck out, that uh, struck, that uh, struck me, there we go, totally tripped over my words there. One thing that struck me about Star Fox 1 is I kind of get you now, Angel. I get your viewpoint of the series. Your whole thing about like how the older ones aren't good because I'm being blinded by nostalgia or whatever, I get it. Because Star Fox 1 to me felt so stripped down and simplistic 
compared to Star Fox 64, which was my entry point to the series, that's like, well, how did, what, what is the appeal? Like, there's fewer enemies on screen. There's not even an aiming reticule, which is really weird. Reticle, I mean, which is really reticule, which is uh, really reticle. weird. Yeah, I know. I, I correct myself. Uh, which is really weird that there's not an aiming reticle at all. That is weird. Yeah, so you're just kind of shooting and hope it goes the right place. It's like couldn't kind of figure out how to turn it on. But, like, everything just felt more basic, for lack of a better term. And, like, to come in at 64, which, you know, uh, has a lot more going on, and then to go back to Star Fox 1... Yeah, it's. I appreciate it as a history lesson, but I don't. I mean, it's not. As, I, I, this must be how you feel going from Assault to sixty four. That's exactly how it I was. get it now. Because I didn't play sixty four first. I played Assault first. I got all the bells and whistles. I got to switch between weapons, and then when I played sixty four, I felt so restricted. I felt like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like you pretty much took away all the all the fun parts. Yeah, and then. Or, like, there's only, like, three Emmys on screen total in the whole level. What? And, well, and, and, and I mean, like, the only thing I ever really forgive games a lot for is, like, I mean, if there aren't as many enemies, fine. Visuals, understandable. But, I mean, mechanics, like, it just felt like a more basic game. And I've played a better yeah. version of that game. Yeah. So, why would I enjoy this? Well, well that's the same. And there's nothing against it, but it just wasn't fun. Yeah, and to your point about, like, the besides fewer Emmys. But what's weird about Star Fox in particular, fewer Emmys actually makes or breaks it. Because... It's all about shooting. Yeah, like, otherwise shoot, you're, you're like, you're just like, sitting what? there. Uh, hello. There's literally <laughs> nothing to do. I guess it goes to show that some games simply age better than others. Because, like, Super Metroid, for example, still as good as ever. And I've gone back and played well. Assault, and it's still really fun. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, like Star Fox 1 just maybe didn't age. Like, Earthbound, for example, that aged well. It still has weird charm. Yeah, but that's because of the game it's trying to be. Star Fox yeah. is definitely a game that doesn't really peak until it it's, limit. like, on it hardware that doesn't limit it. Right. Like, GameCube, Star Fox, I mean, it wasn't even made by Nintendo at that point, but, like, that one definitely felt like it did everything it wanted to do. It wasn't, it didn't feel limited. Star Fox 64, I mean, it's still, like, it's the first 3D space shooter that Nintendo tried. Right. Like, when and it's, it's full-on hardware. I, up with that, I mean, but... the Super Nintendo was definitely, like, is this possible? Should we do it? Fine, let's do it. Yeah. But, And there's also yeah. the fact that, like, if you look at some games, they... And 64, didn't even I don't even be know iterated what... on in the same way. Like, like I used the Super Metroid example. That's like Pinnacle Metroid, right? They do different things in that Metroid formula, but Super Metroid was Metroid. Star Fox One was like the sampler of what Star Fox could become. Like, it, that's part of why it didn't age well either. I think you know what I mean. Like, yeah. So it, it, it's interesting. It's kind of issue with just... um, Zero Two. I never really gave it much of a chance just because it was kind of going back to its roots, which in my eyes was yeah like steps backwards and no steps forwards right. from assault so and that's what it ended up being. right because you for those who maybe haven't listened for a long time angel notoriously notoriously does not like old star foxes it becomes a like a flashpoint of any time i say the word star fox i mean he made the joke this episode oh yeah star fox sucks blah blah, blah. that's what the real this is and it's weird that i was always like no you're wrong but now yeah. that i play star fox one i'm like the I, I get it only good star foxes are are assault and adventure What's funny? Okay, well, whoa, that, you're opening a whole nother can of worms. Uh, but I understand why. Fox. I understand why you game. feel that way now. Don't I, even get me started I on the multiplayer. You, I appreciate you. <laughs> I understand you. I get it. I, I mean, the it. multiplayer in Assault is just unrivaled. Like, Actually, I will give you that. The multiplayer in sixty four is super bare, but the multiplayer yeah, sixty four I mean, is the single player of Star Fox One. Dogfights are fun for like. Two minutes, in my yeah. opinion. You do one match, and you're... Which is fine, because I think in I don't know. 64, I mean, I mean, they so, are two minutes. Yeah, some <laughs> games make dogfighting work when um there's more to do with the plane, but this one, you're literally just... You either charge a shot, don't charge a shot, or throw a bomb, and that's pretty right. much it. 
You know, you know what's funny about all this? But assault gave you like, oh, I could grab this vehicle or that vehicle, or I could arm myself with these like awesome weapons on the ground and hide in between buildings. And you had like this giant level. Oh, it was so much fun. Sixty four tried to do that. You, you can, can hide. Play. You can like weave through buildings in the Corneria tra- level. But yeah, no assault multiplayer, yeah. no doubt, is better than sixty four for sure. And Star Fox One doesn't even have multiplayer. So, yeah. but but you know what's funny is so I say all this about Star Fox One, but then I weirdly didn't have this feeling with Star Fox 2. Like, I didn't get this impression that, like, going from 64 to Star Fox 2 is a step backwards, like I did from 64 to Star Fox 1. I think perhaps it's because it wasn't just iterations on an idea. Like, it wasn't like, here's Star Fox 64, which is Star Fox 1 done right. Here's Star Fox Assault, which is 64 going one step further. Like, Star Fox 2 is just this different set of ideas at its core. And instead of, like, being a series of on-rail levels you choose, you know, with branching past different planets, you're presented with this kind of real-time strategy game map where... You can fly any which way you want. You use two of the six available pilots in the game. You're juggling, like, stopping missiles as they come at Corneria with completing these missions where you have to move closer to defeating Andros. It's on the other side of the map. You have to keep zipping back and forth. All in real time. There's all, all in real time. There's also, like, almost like an RPG situation going on where you'll just jump into surprise battles with no warning with individual members of Star Wolf. Like, it's all happening at once. It's like, no matter what you choose to do, those missiles keep moving towards Corneria. So there's always this kind of urgency to it. And all the encounters, once you get into them, are not like Star Fox either in that they're, um, you know, whether you're shooting down the missiles or fighting Star Wolf, they're all 360-degree all-range mode, which you can either play standard camera behind the R-wing view or in a, by default, interestingly enough, a first-person perspective. So even some of that from Zero has roots back in uh, 2. But I, I'm I'm happy to say, actually, that unlike Star Fox one, Star Fox 2, in first person and third person, does have the aiming reticle. reticle. So, there's that. But no, the, the whole experience, though, is just like... What does that word give you trouble? I don't know. Reticle. I don't know. But uh, the whole experience to me is just like... It's comprised of ideas that have layer resurfaced in other Star Foxes, no doubt. Like, I tweeted the other day that uh, you know you could see all the roots in like all range mode from Star Fox 64. That's in here the entire structure of the game and how you are you know doing almost like a strategy game in between Star Fox bouts which then take place in these mini levels not on rails in these huge levels that's literally Star Fox command just without touch controls the walker that that little robot that you run around on the ground Star Fox Zero that started in Star Fox 2 although here it's kind of like in weird like it's almost like diet Zelda dungeons like there's these really small spaces you're exploring in like this sort of janky polygonal 3d you have to like hit switches and blow things up but you kind of like run through them as if you're like trying to solve like the most rudimentary zelda puzzle which is kind of interesting because you know it predates 3d zelda but my point is like all this stuff is in existing star foxes but unlike when you went from star fox 1 to star fox 64 to assault or whatever it feels like they're just they're just presented this very arcadey way it's like it's like you're playing the initial design document for what star fox would ideas will be going forward but instead of trying to mask these ideas behind like traditional Star Fox, like they ended up doing with 64 and Command and Zero, there's like, yeah, here's some super simple concepts and just get a high score if you can. And that's kind of the extent of it. It's like a weird, it's like a weird rough draft of all the ideas, but they aren't trying to, whoops, hit the mic, but they aren't trying to um, make it more than it is, I guess is the best way to, the best way to put it. So even though all those ideas show up later what you're getting now is basically an arcade style game with the same ideas but they're presented differently enough that it doesn't feel like well this is just a bad version of that it's just like well these are packaged in a totally different way and interact with each other a little differently so as such 
it's a full-on arcade game. I mean, it's all about replayability. You can beat the entire game in under an hour on lower difficulties. Um, no two experiences, though, are exactly alike because of the strategy thing. So, you know, if you choose to go one way or another way, shoot missile first or later, go deal with Andross's, like, snake dragon he sends at you or not. That's what the boss is. Um, you know, it all unfolds differently, and that in turn affects your score you receive. So you, in theory, will keep playing over and over and over to try and get a high score and try different combinations, and that, at least, is where the actual meat of the game supposedly comes from but see that exact setup is not true of any other Star Fox game they all have a score attack and they all encourage you to go play it again but the fact that you're mixing and matching complete randomness basically to get to your high score is um, kind of unique to this one and it sort of makes all these elements not feel like they're just bare bones bad versions of future Star Foxes so I don't know from a technical standpoint the game has its issues like no doubt like there are frame rate slowdowns that literally it feels like you're playing through molasses at times the graphics i don't think particularly aged as well as other super fx games i mean it aged better than star fox one but obviously yoshi's island looks a whole lot better and that's also running super fx but it is just really a fascinating piece of like nintendo history to play and it comes together well enough all these weird ideas come together well enough they actually enjoy it flaws and all i have gone back and played it a few times i, I do like it it's just not this isn't like you're not gonna get the best game ever for a game that was basically canned at the last second, the production's there as it should be, the music's there as it should be, the visuals are there, it's all quite good, but you can sort of see why Nintendo decided to shelve Star Fox 2, you know, back 21 years ago. And as a bonus game in a compilation like the Super Nintendo Classic, I'm very happy it's here. Is it something that I would have paid for on its own at full price? Debatable. So... Luckily for Star Fox, here's a fun fact from Twitter, courtesy of uh, a user on there named ZHugeX, who has a ton of video game stats. Star Fox will sell quite well, because Star Fox 2 being included in the Super Nintendo Classic means it will be the 19th million seller on uh, the Super Nintendo. Only 27 years after the system came out. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, people will get exposed to it. It's definitely worth checking out for the history, but... And you might find value in the replay structure. You might not. Come for the history, stay for the other games. Yeah, sure. But, I, I mean, some people are going to enjoy the replayability of it. Like, I really like it. But, yeah, I, it's not the be-all, end-all thing that, you know, 21 years later, is it the greatest thing ever? It's not. It's not. But it's definitely, like, a really cool piece of gaming history to play. So that's my take on Star Fox. I know you haven't even touched it because Star Fox. Uh, Old no Star Fox. To. Exactly. But uh, a game that we've both been playing is, at, well, a demo of an upcoming game that we've both been playing is uh, on Switch is Spelunker Party. And you put more time into it than me, so I don't know well, if you want to. The less said, the, the better. I would say. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not a bad game. I just feel like the game is definitely not aimed at us. Um, as I was like telling Jason like a while ago, like mm-hmm. I I kind of went through like a weird like like, like oh like like oh, I hate this game. Like this game is not that great. Like there's really stupid ways to die. But then like but then like like as I kept going, I'm like, well, I mean. The death kind of makes sense. Like they do, they're, yeah, they're, they're they're encouraging this. It's kind of like yeah, a, makes sense. It's like a memorization kind of thing. Like we have to remember. All right, I see this curve on the path. That's a trap. I see a vine. I have to make sure I jump first. Like uh, the ultimate goal being for those who haven't played it, uh, make it from point A to point, point B. A to point B in a mini Metroid maze. Sort of. It's like a little yeah. It, it's fine. There's no way to get lost. You either go up, down, get Left the treasure. Right. It, it's like. It's like exploring a worm's den. It's like I mean, uh, an, an, it, no, it's like exploring an anthill. All the caves are yeah, already no, okay, like but... explored for you. You don't have to dig anywhere. You're just running around, getting all the golden stuff, and then just making it to the exit. And it's not hard. It just 
the difficulty comes from the cheap death you'll find in the beginning because you don't know, really get the mechanics of the game yet. They're the worst. And, oh my god, like... They're the worst. Like, like, pretty much, I guess the game is trying to be realistic because I guess, alright, a human definitely cannot survive this fall, but you don't really think that right away because you're playing a video game. And even some yeah. distances that you feel you should survive or that indicate you got, like, a sprained knee from the animation still equal you death. You die. For some reason. So basically, you're climbing a vine... And, and you, you jump off the vine onto the platform to your left. If you're a little too high, insta-death. Even if you land, insta-death. Or let's say you get on a vine. You walk... Any regular video game has taught you, you can just walk off a ledge and then and grab you, the and vine. And keep your momentum. And keep your momentum. Spelunker probably does not believe in momentum, inertia, or basic physics. So the second you step off the ledge, you're dead. Because they assume, well, it, you're it, just going to fall straight down because that's how it works. It's literally... um. That's exactly it's, how yeah. Mario, how Donkey Kong worked. Like Donkey Kong, where you control Mario. That's exactly. Oh, how. oh, you mean Donkey Kong ninety? Or like old Donkey? Kong. Yeah, old Donkey Kong, where you play like as Mario. 80s Donkey Kong. Yeah, where you get the little hammer and stuff. Like yeah. that's literally how it worked. If you just walked off a ledge, even though you should have enough momentum to make it to the other ledge, you'll just fall straight down for some reason. But we've come so far since then, or so we thought, until Spelunker Party. Yeah, but then I don't know. I, I feel honestly like this game is perfect for younger gamers, like to get into these kind of like pseudo exploring um, platform games because for them I feel like it'd be pretty challenging and a really good gateway to even like multiplayer games I don't know well that, that is something that has in its favor the, the, the co-op kind, is kind of cool that's kind of how I feel about the game it's like perfect for like a 10 and under demographic yeah I mean and the game's presentation certainly is catering to that too oh yeah I mean it's, it's, it's storybook graphics that look like out of like Kirby 64 kind of yeah. but um, you know the premise is literally like Spelunk a comet came to earth Spelunket that's her name uh, woke up and then the great fairy chief who for some reason they spell fairy totally different but anyway the fairy chief is like hey the beasts are all acting up because of the comet and then she's like well guess we should investigate so then they go talk to the center of the earth to learn what's going on essentially that's yeah. the premise and it's presented in uh, still like storybook stills watercolor looking things yeah. it's very nice watercolors but yeah it's definitely aimed at a, lord, uh, a younger demographic for sure and so for them, it may be it, it's probably great, and like the co-op is kind of fun. The levels don't change if you're playing one player or four player. Like we did yeah. single and multi, but but it does. The noticeable thing is it's a lot faster paced when you have multiple people. So for kids, and I in theory, really I fun. guess it's also easier because if you die, your teammates could revive, could revive you. you. Yeah, yeah, and in one player, you don't have that luxury. Yeah, and I mean the the toughest puzzle we came across in the demos are like different color keys are located in different parts of the anthill maze which you always find Each before you, you find usually one. get to yeah, the door it's so. very simple so yeah it's definitely into kids but I, I can see it being fun for kids definitely it's I, not this is badly also, this, made it's no 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 it's just not to us. yeah this is also a game that I feel like would be really fun to play with a kid like someone oh, that, like a parent and child or something yeah like or like with, like a young niece or nephew or something right. like that I feel like that would be pretty yeah cause cool. you could basically play assist like be the assist to them yeah exactly yeah. So for that, I feel it's a pretty awesome game that I would recommend for that, based on the demo. Right, right, based on the demo. And there are, we can't forget that you can have pets. Yeah. I don't know what they do. The demo doesn't really elaborate. elaborate, but we had dogs, and they were fuzzy. And apparently you can also get cats and birds and rabbits and oh my, all sorts of things, and lions and tigers and bears. But yeah, so it's, uh, it, it's a thing. Spelunker Party's a thing. Um, it's cool to see Square Enix just continue to pump out games. They just announced another one, by the way. I remember I made that joke last episode. Every episode we have a new Square Enix game. They announced a motocross game that they're publishing. Um, I don't remember. It's, I think it's Monster Motocross, like Monster Energy's Motocross. Um, I forgot the name of the game, but it comes out in 2018, and it will be on Switch. And it's just like, slow down, Square. 
But if uh, if you're an older gamer looking to do some cave exploration, what are the odds that we have two games about cave exploration back to back? That's right. Yeah. So um, then I would possibly recommend, depending on what Angel's about to tell you, SteamWorld Dig Two, because that came out a couple weeks ago on Switch and other platforms. SteamWorld Dig One, I can attest to being really, really good, but you didn't like it as much, right? Not as much, but that's not to say it was a bad game. Right, but you seem to like this one more from what you've been telling me. Like, yeah. how, So what, what, what's different? Like, why why is this one so much better? Uh, SteamWorld Dig 1 and I guess this one, they're like a lot of games that I see at the elementary school. They're essentially games at the elementary school. Like, there's this website called Cool Math Games where essentially you play a bunch of Flash games. And the like the premise of like 90% of these games is, um, like, for example, you throw a slingshot. Oh, yep. it only goes like two feet. But you get points because of airtime or whatever. So then you get to make the rubber of the slingshot slightly stronger. So you go like three feet, then four feet. And you mm-hmm. just keep upgrading it until you go like a thousand feet. And then you get to add little wings to the rock. So at some point you could trigger them so that you could like fly further. That's pretty much how this game is. You just go, you just dig down. You can only make it so far. Take those minerals, sell them for upgrades, go down lower, sell them for upgrades, go down lower. So that's kind of what occasionally the original find, one was. Yeah, occasionally find dungeons, get power-ups, go down lower, blah, blah, blah. And the first one was randomly generated underground, so mm-hmm. the map, the doors were in different areas, and I don't know what it was about that, but I guess I just, it kind of left my interest. The game isn't even that long. It's like five hours long, but I, according to my records, I only made it to like an hour and 40 minutes, hmm. and it doesn't really tell you what to do. You kind of have to figure it out as you go. That's fine, but I'm more of a directive-based gamer. Like, I need, yeah. I, I just like having an objective to go towards, especially because, especially in RPGs or even games like SteamWorld Dig 2, if they tell me to go here, because in SteamWorld Dig 2, they pretty much tell you, like, here's an X. Make it to this X to progress the story. If they tell me that, then I know, all right, cool. That means I could go in this direction and this direction and explore right. to my heart's content, and it won't affect the story. That's what I like about certain RPGs, like... I'll, I know the story goes in this direction, so I'll take the other path to get out the treasure chest, then I could go and the blah, blah, So the, blah. the lack of that direction in SteamWorld 1 for you yeah, I made guess, it almost more difficult. So you, you didn't want to trigger things that you didn't want to have triggered yeah, I guess it made, or yeah, trigger things somewhere or miss a trigger or like... It made it too free and then, yeah, sure. it's kind of... Yeah. But yeah, SteamWorld Dick 2, that's pretty much how SteamWorld Dick 2 just improves everything. Everything is just more streamlined. They don't have anything randomly generated. All the rooms and objectives are all placed in a fixed location, which means that all the platforming and everything is carefully crafted. Which and also means a lot more work on the devs end, but it yeah. usually results, generally speaking, in a better game. Yeah, nothing ever beats handcrafted levels than generally mm-hmm. randomly generated. I mean, depending on the game, it could work. Like Binding of Isaac, I feel definitely worth with that. Like I, it probably can be better. Well, yeah, there's exceptions to every rule. Yeah. yeah, but for this kind of game, I feel like it's just better handcrafted and not to mention just um you could tell like they thought like all right the first game we you had to use a limited supply of ladders to go back up and like kind of retrace some ground to dig horizontally because maybe you missed an exit mm-hmm. but in this game because ladders were kind of a pain to go through and they're just a limited resource now you have a grappling hook pretty much things that didn't have to be a limited resource are no longer a limited resource now they're just fun tool that you could play with mm-hmm. and that's pretty much how i just thought about the game it was just really fun i just played it all in one yeah, sitting. all in one sitting like <laughs> yeah, did you did before you i really kn- get to the credits in one yeah sitting? before i knew it um 
yeah, I, I play like, all right, I'll get, I'll get to the next objective. I'll get to the next objective at some point. Um, they, you have to go like on a little treasure hunt. Like, all right, destroy three of these things, and they're over here. Yeah. But since I passed my way through the underground in a certain way, I'm like, all right, cool. I can just teleport to this place, dig in this way, and I'll get there in no time. And what, then uh... teleport to the other place, and then I'm like, oh, I think I'm about to fight the final boss. I might as well just get through it. And then I did, and it's like, oh, credits are rolling. And oh. What percentage of completion were you at, though? It was like 43 to 45%. Uh, okay. so you almost speed run it, ran it, sort of. Not yeah. full on, but... Yeah. yeah, the only thing, um, I maxed out a few of my... I mean, I maxed out my health. I maxed out my my drilling and powers and some other things. But the only thing I didn't do was collect um, what's it called? I guess what they call antiques. Because it took me five hours, pretty much five hours to beat the game. But there's a robot somewhere in the town that collects antiquities, and with those antiquities, you get like special things that you could upgrade yourself with. Uh-huh. Because this game, um, that's what I actually like. I like that the antiquities aren't just like a little thing in the museum that I don't know, kind of turn you off from collecting them. They actually give you power-ups, which is really cool. Right. And throughout the game, you find like carefully hidden cogs that you could use to power yourself up, like give yourself perks. Like maybe you can make the water you collect collect faster as opposed to the average rate it collects because you Mm -hmm. need water for your drill because the drill costs water. But the nice thing is that you could unequip those cogs and re-equip them to other things so that you could kind of, I don't know, I guess customize yourself to give in the situation. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, you just have upgrades. You just pay for the upgrade, and that's pretty much it. So and it's a fun game. I'm definitely going to go back and play it on the harder difficulty. Typically, for these kinds of games, I never want to collect everything on either difficulties. I usually try to make the hardest difficulty my... Perfect. My true run, my true, like, 100% run right, of the game. Right. Because otherwise it's like, if I 100%ed it in normal, but there's still a harder difficulty after. Because some games don't even tell you there's a harder one until after you beat it. Then it feels incomplete. I don't want to collect everything all over again. I'm just going to like half-ass it. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather do a true run later. And considering how short it was, I'm definitely going to go back and play it again. Yeah, I, I need to pick this up. Yeah. I like the original a lot, but yeah, there's something we said for not randomly generated levels. Like... That you're describing the cogs and all that, like finding those in the original was just kind of like, well, is it randomly put here? I guess it is, but it sounds like these are actually things you have to go discover versus just yeah. And you definitely get inserted at random. You get rewarded for being like, huh, that little wall looks weird. I'm gonna jump over there, right? Like, oh, and it tells you like, like pretty much proclaiming like, oh, hidden tunnel found. Oh yeah, yeah. Like every time, yeah. And the power ups are just really fun. And this also a segment of the game that I feel they just did an awesome job with the mood, and it generally felt. Well, you feel emotion, just because I don't want to spoil what it is. Right, right. It's, huh. Yeah. It's I'll have pretty, to check it out, really yeah, because cool. I really like the first one. You probably won't make it that far. stuff and all what? You probably won't make it that far. Is that a challenge? It is. Okay. But you won't make it far into a five-hour game. I, maybe, you're right. I don't know. You I need to buy could. it. First, I need to buy it. You've played more know, than five hours of Splatoon. First, I need to buy Actually, it. Actually, I have. Yeah. For <laughs> the year I was about that, I have. No, first, I need to buy it. That's step one. But I also want to buy like Golf Story and Stardew Valley. So I know there's too many well, Switch games. Luckily for me, Switch games. This is actually a game that Elvis bought because he loved and beat Steamworld Dig One. Right. And 
I don't know, it was just a Sunday, I got tired of playing Smash Brothers, and I'm like, I need to play something. So I'm like, eh, I'll try Steam with Dick 2, and then I beat it. And I mean, Image and Forum, those those guys are cool. I've had the pleasure of meeting them at one of those indie mixers, and they're really nice dudes, so it made, definitely support made me, them. <laughs> it definitely made me want to play um, Steam World Heist. And, oh, Heist is fun. And the nice thing is that this game kind of feels like a prequel to Steam World Heist. Yeah, they given, all, they're all interconnected now. Yeah, given how like it ends, it's like, oh, that makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it cryptic. Yeah. But yeah, you recommend it, it sounds like. I mean, if you know what the premise of Steam World has, you pretty much well, assume yeah, yeah. what happens at yeah. the end. But you're, you're, um, so it sounds like a, rec- a strong recommendation. Yeah. Now, there's one other game you've been playing that I think you wanted to bring up. Um, yeah. We yeah. talked about your obsession with Tough as Nail games when we were talking about Slime Sand. Yeah. This one sort of fits that bill, right? Binaries, which is a lesser known. I would say so. And Switch. the funny thing is that this is also kind of like those Flash games that I see like kids play. Like, uh-huh. Um, there's this, I don't know, there's just like a bunch of like fun little puzzle games there that you could play for hours. And this game just kind of reminds me of one of them where essentially you play as two characters at once. In this case, you have two little balls. And we were actually given this code by the devs. Yes, we should say that up front, yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know, like, I don't know, I, I don't know. I have this weird thing where I was kind of prejudiced a little bit about this game just based on the presentation just because it looked pretty simplistic. But after just playing it for a little while, the... I don't know, it, it's hard. Like, you definitely... I thought I could just be like, all right, I'm just going to speed run through this game, just, like, beat the first few levels. Uh-huh. And I did beat the first tutorial levels pretty easily because, I mean, I, I grasped the concept. You're pretty much... You're controlling two balls at the exact, at the exact same time. The c- movements for both balls are identical. So you're, you could pretend you're controlling the orange ball and the blue ball will move exactly like the orange one. The only thing that you have to worry about is kind of disconnecting those movements by getting platforms in the way of one like let's say you want the orange one to move to a platform above the blue one you have to position them so that the orange one is blocked in a certain way or mm-hmm. you have to use the environment around you to manipulate how you want to separate them it's like trying to get the ice climbers to separate in smash brothers because you move them both simultaneously mm-hmm. so that's kind of like the the trick behind it and all the levels are designed around that and it gets really hard and that's pretty much it. like it's it's so simple in its concept that because it's so simple, they get to really mess with you. And it's cool. Like they have, um, like half the, half the level is always blue and half the level is always orange and orange spikes kill the orange ball, blue spikes kill the blue ball. But if you somehow are able to flip them, so you have the orange ball in the blue area and the blue ball in the orange area, they're immune to those spikes or any kind of enemy. Like you're always immune to the opposite colors enemy, opposite colored yeah, enemies or right or hazards, right? Which just makes it that much more tricky when they start you in an area where it's pretty much a war zone, and you have to figure out how you can flip the locations. But the end goals could be in the original location where the hazards are, mm-hmm. because the end goals you have to get to the checkered flag at the end. But you, the orange ball has to get to the orange checkered flag, and the blue ball has Let's to get, get to, to the blue. blue. And they're in their respective colored areas, but sometimes where they're located is really hard to get to as that color so you might want to flip them over but sometimes that makes it even harder to get back so it's a puzzle game it's just yeah. a puzzle game through and through it's not so much trying to test your reflexes. Your, your your reflexes in platforming it's something that like you just have to practice and carefully think through and i mean there is some finessing you have to do like there's one where you have to like climb up a ladder essentially you have to like jump outwards and in so you could get to the platform right above it over and over again but as that's happening, you have a barrage of bullets coming from both sides, so you have to make sure that the correct colored one doesn't hit you, otherwise it's an instant death. Oh, yeah, yeah. And 
Yeah, so it, it does get really tough. And the music actually changes to how well you're doing, which is pretty interesting. That's kind of cool. That's something you don't see very often. Yeah, so, very often. yeah, so as you're like doing better, it gets more poppier. As you're doing worse, it kind of gets cooler. Right, like more right. Slow. You, know, you know what's interesting is um, you're saying that it's it's hard, but not in the way to like slam, Slime Sand or Meat Boy is. And that yeah, because you could take... It's, pu- it's yeah. puzzly, but... Yeah, because Slime Sand, if you don't do anything, you're timed on every single level. Right. If you wait for like five seconds, there's like a giant wall of death that if you touch it it's an insta kill so you pretty much always have to be moving this one you could take your time yeah it's like a nice like i have a few minutes to kill i'm just gonna play a few levels because there's like over there's like 90 over 90 levels it's pretty nuts the 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 reason i was saying that is um it's interesting because like the switch is now hitting this point and it's it's great for something like you know binaries is um you know you may come in on switch and be a fan of one type of game and then like i like really hard side-scrolling platformers and then here comes you do here come I yeah, I'm I'm Joe Gamer giving an example you know so you say that and then like here comes binaries which is like well you, if you like hard platforms here's a platform that's hard but in a different way and that's like that's cool that we're getting like subgenre variety now kind of yeah which which is nice to see yeah and not only that but I feel like the fact that it's on the Switch because the portable just really helps it this is definitely the kind of game I would play like more on the go than on the TV. Oh like, yeah. Like if yeah. I take you to work or something and I have like a ten minute break, you could easily do a couple levels. Yeah, do a couple levels or just spend the whole break on one level and not feel bad be- that you didn't get to progress far in Zelda <laughs> or do pretty much anything in a lot of games because a lot of games kind of demand at least thirty minutes. Right. Like I mean, Steam World Dig is another good example of a game you could play in short bursts. But I feel like binaries. I'm like we keep like cutting the amount of time you get to play a game, and that one is a really good bite sized game you can mm-hmm. play in mm-hmm. bite sized chunks. Right. Which is perfect, perfect for that portable nature, like you were saying. Yep. But yeah, so it sounds like binary is actually kind of a bit of a hidden gem of sorts. Like it sounds like there's some real yeah, good to be had there. I mean, if you like those kind of like yeah, if you like that type if of you game. if you like puzzle platformers, then I mean, you would definitely enjoy it. Right. I would definitely say. That's my that, that's my those are my impressions. Is have have you played any other games? We're just it's just like we're plowing through so many games with you. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a no. Um, Besides StarCraft, I know you play StarCraft. I don't think so. I mean, I revisited Donkey Country 2 on the 3DS. Not on the NES Classic or Super NES Classic when you had it. Uh, nothing that I want to mention. I mean, Donkey Kong. No, Country. no, I'm saying you didn't play Donkey Kong on the Super Nintendo. You can't play it on Super Nintendo. I mean, we did for a little bit, but like we just kind of flipped through the games and were like, eh, let's just play Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah, that, that was me with, yeah, that was me with Star Fox. That was literally, World. That, that was literally how it was. Yeah. That's how it went down. Well, in that case, I guess that pretty much does it for this episode of the Random Time Podcast. Our next episode... I mean, I would say the, the SNES is worth it for the Super Ghouls and Ghosts alone. And I'd say it's worth it for Mario World alone. So it sounds like if you have multiple interests, you have multiple reasons to buy that machine if you can find one, which should be easier. So you should. The end. No, but uh, yeah, this that, that does it for this episode. Um... We are back in two weekends, two weeks time on October 29th, which is also Mario Odyssey release weekend. So there's that. It should be an interesting episode because I don't think we have Mario Odyssey impressions that quickly. We need time to really like get into it. But between now and then, if I'm not mistaken, is Nintendo's financial briefing for their summer quarter. And that includes probably some sales numbers for arms and like we were discussing earlier. They usually at the corresponding meeting that goes with these briefings, uh, with these financials, they usually have a couple announcements. We maybe will hear about Animal Crossing Mobile. Who knows? So next episode, we should have all that if I have my dates correct. But we, regardless of what date the Nintendo thing is, we are for sure back October 29th with news and impressions and all that. And I promise you there will not be any more cartridge looking 
beyond this episode. Although I think that assurance is more for me, than myself, than it is for anyone else because I still have that taste in my mouth slightly. But regardless, uh, to make sure you don't miss the episode in two weeks' time, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Pocket Cast and Stitcher and Google Play Music and pretty much anything. You can also follow us on Twitter at RamNintendo, um, where I guess ultimately, along with putting the, epi- the video of me licking cartridges... In the blog post, we'll probably ultimately tweet it too, so you can you can find that there. Should it tickle your fancy? Um, if you want to follow us individually on Twitter, I am JSR Seven, Angel is Wero, W E I R O, and that pretty much does it. So we Do you will still see, taste it, uh, slightly, slightly, not so bad, but that's because I stopped drinking water because I'm out of water. But yeah, we'll see you in um, two weeks time on Mario. Mario.